What is up, guys, and welcome to the most bizarre show on the internet. I am the legendary Shane Squatch. And I'm Oren. And I'm Bizarre Jenny. <laughs> At least you got to mix it up a little bit. You got to make it like Oren the Martian or something. I don't know. You got you to think of some kind of cool name to throw it once in a while. I've been contemplating this, trying to think of a good extraterrestrial name for you. And the best one so far, which isn't that great, is Oren the Martian. Or it could be like Interstellar Oren, or they maybe go. I'll just go like full on pro wrestling. I'll be like the Nature Boy Oren Felix. Oh yeah! <laughs> no, that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> so uh, we got another longer show again this week. So we're gonna keep this short again. And uh, next week maybe we'll throw in with a little bit more banter because it seems like you guys enjoy that once in a while, and it kind of gets off the hinges pretty quick. So. You know, we'll let it completely get on chain next week to make up for uh, not having too crazy of an intro the last two weeks. But just some quick announcements, I guess. Uh, if you guys got anything to announce, then I'll throw in the announcement that I have. Uh, no, it's pretty quiet over here on our end this week. So uh, what you got for the listeners this week, Shane? Well, I know I mentioned it again last week, but uh, we will. Well, I will. 33.3%. I'm going to keep throwing that number. Uh, we'll be vending uh, this year at Squonkapalooza. So if anybody wants to come and hang out with uh, 33% of the Bizarre Encounters team, uh, I will be hanging out there. Um, you know, just look for the inquiries slash Bizarre Encounters banners. And as time goes on, I'm sure I'll be dropping some more stuff. Uh, but any of, if any of the listeners are planning on coming out, uh, it'd be really cool if you guys wouldn't mind shooting us a message so then at least I can look for your face, know that you're coming. Uh, it always makes it better because I'd like to be able to know your guys' faces before you come. So if I see you, I can be like, hey, hey, I know that guy. But, you know, I won't be able to do that if I don't know who's coming. So, <laughs> you got to throw me who's coming. Ayo. <laughs> Ayo. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> See, we, we let it go a little bit, and it already started getting pretty unhinged. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're just going off the top rope over here tonight. We're just uh, building up the tension for next week. Ayo. The sexual tension. <laughs> <laughs> That's what and she said. <laughs> All right, and on that note, all you listeners out there, you know the normal stuff to do. Reach out to us on uh, Instagram or through our email, which is bizarreencounters at outlook.com. Any topics you want us to cover, any guests you want us to have, any artists or researchers that want to contribute, uh, get up with us that way or through the, um, the submission form on the link tree. 
And just an extension of that, too, uh, if anybody has any contributions that they want to throw into local lore for future episodes, and, uh, of course, sharing your guys' encounters, uh, whether you want us to read them on the show, uh, possibly be a guest on the show off of that, but if anybody wants to submit their encounters uh, so that we can read them, we'd definitely love to do that because we want to eventually get to a point where we kind of build up where we can essentially kind of do at least a listener encounter in the beginning of each episode every week, so... The only way we'll be able to do that is with your guys' contribution. So anything that you guys do is definitely appreciated. Even if it's a, just a weird, bizarre encounter or a paranormal encounter you've had at your house, we still would love to hear it and share it on the show. And uh, if you guys aren't already, uh, don't forget to go and follow us on social media. Uh, we're all over the internet. Uh, the main one that I'm the most active on is Instagram. So if you guys are trying to get a hold of us, that's probably uh, one of the best means to do so. And to get some news on anything going on with the show, that's definitely one of the best ones to do. Uh, we've been building up the Discord. So we made it a little bit easier to navigate, uh, switched around some groups, uh, tried to bounce in activity, and uh, it's been working pretty well. So if anybody wants to pop into there, it's been pretty fun. Um, Definitely appreciate it. And the only way that's ever going to build up and form into a complete community is with, again, all of your guys' help. And if you guys want to support the show, there's multiple ways to do so. Uh, number one, of course, for this show would be to uh, go and check out the op- the Open Minds Media merch store. You can pick yourself up some awesome uh, Bizarre Encounters and Bite Size Bizarreties gear. Uh, you guys can also go on to the Patreon if you want to get early access to episodes, uh, lives of specific episodes, depending on, you know, if we feel like going live as far as doing these dives until we get a little bit better with uh, some of the reading on some of the confusing stuff because there's a lot of stagnant air at certain points. But, you know, as far as the interviews go, those are definitely going to be over on the Patreon. So that's something to go and check out. Uh, there's also going to be some exclusive giveaways and stuff going on in the future. Um, we're also going to be have exclusive exclusive merch store discounts that are specific to tiers. So if any of you guys want to go and get yourself a Bizarre Encounter shirt and become part of the Patreon, uh, you'll get yourself a little bit of a discount if you join the Patreon first, of course. And uh, the third way to support the show is you guys can donate directly to the show through Red Circle. Uh, All of that, any donations, anything that we get is all going towards us being able to event some events this year. So kind of beneficial on all aspects If you guys want to be able to sit down and have a conversation with us at a convention. Uh, we want to be able to have some stuff on our table so you guys can, you know, not just see a blank table with us sitting there because that's no fun. You know, you at least want to see some logos, different stuff up. So <laughs> all of that. And uh, if you guys aren't already, of course, and you guys haven't, I definitely recommend going and checking it out, Crypto Theology. Uh, the newest ones that I've seen... Uh, if anybody's a fan of The Crow, he recently made a Mothman design that's The Crow style. So it's pretty damn sweet, you know, like the 90s uh, movie slash comic book series. Uh, the other one that I saw that he just recently dropped is a new one for the Van Meter Visitor. So anybody that's interested in that, definitely recommend going and checking out those designs. He's been adding a bunch of stuff in bulk lately, so there's always something new. And I'm sure by the time uh, this show comes out, there'll probably be two more new designs. So, oh, that's the other one I forgot to mention, Dark Watchers. That one's pretty damn pretty damn sweet, too. You guys definitely go check that one out. Okay, guys, and don't forget that all this stuff is um, listed in the link tree and the show description in the show notes, all of that stuff. Go follow the branches of the tree to whatever weird fascinations you may find on the other end of the branches. I don't know. I was trying to sound uh, majestic or something. <laughs> it's starting to sound fancy, but it didn't end up coming out that great. But I'm still going to leave it. We're going to roll with it. <laughs> Perfect. Don't miss the forest for the link tree, Shane. Oh, <laughs> that's good. I'm off to use that one. <laughs> so tonight's guest is Brian Bowden. He's a cryptozoologist, a UFO and paranormal researcher slash investigator, and a remote viewer. He is also an author, and his book, Words and Muses, A Lyrical Life in Poetry, is available now. 
He joined Shane for episode 107 of Inquiries of Our Reality, and we're excited to have him join us here on Bizarre Encounters. So, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do the, do the princess wave. I have the same thing he has. <laughs> <laughs> Good old mixing board. Yes. Oh, I only had it turned down. Yes. I hit a button, but it was turned down all the way. <laughs> no, no, no problem. But it's thank you for having me on here. Um, this is awesome. I have plenty of bizarre encounters in my life. It was a marriage. We're excited to hear them. It was bizarre. bizarre. Only joking. But yep, thank but you for having me. It, was, <laughs> it can be really bizarre. I started doing things like when when I got when it, you know when you get married, you have people there that you're friendly with or whatever. Then you meet some other people like, wow, you know, he would have been great at the wedding, you know, after the fact. And then I remember watching my, my dad had, they didn't have wedding videos. They had film, you know, and he'd show it against the wall in the ha- in the apartment every once in a while. Go, ah, he's dead. Oh, he died two days ago. <laughs> that guy's dead. And I'm like, dad, what are you doing? Everybody's dead in the damn thing. Who's that guy? He's dead. <laughs> it don't matter. I'm just reminiscing. <laughs> yep, just reminiscing. Why did I get... Why did I get married? Um, actually, that was that. Speaking of which, when I got engaged, um, I couldn't get in touch with anybody. None of us could get in touch with anybody. It was like December, and then I, I got in touch with my father. He picked. He's like, "Hello." I go, "Dad, I just got engaged to Eileen." He goes, "That's your problem." <laughs> I feel like that qualifies as a bizarre encounter. <laughs> that is. Yeah. It is. It is a bizarre encounter, especially because the man looked like a combination of Lou Albano and uh, Pavarotti. (laughs) Not kidding. Like dead ringer for Lou Albano. Um, So we'd go out places like that's Captain Lou and give high fives to people. (laughs) Looking at him. What's going on with you? Um, But yeah, bizarre encounters. I've had plenty of those. Plenty. Uh, before we started recording, you were telling us a little bit about um, a couple Sasquatch encounters that you had. Yeah. Uh, one when you were young and then a uh, kind of big one later. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about that? Quick little uh, sure. throw into if anybody, if he makes reference to somebody named Al, just so all the listeners know, we recently had Al on the show. So it is that Al. So I just want to throw that out there so you guys can correlate Al. the two. <laughs> but I know he's full of shit. I, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to kill me. <laughs> Surprised he hasn't killed me yet, but um, yes, uh, the guy that was on the show, the Italian stallion, the Squatch, whatever the hell he calls himself, I call him Grandpa Squatch, um, <laughs> just to bust his chops. Al and I do investigate a lot together. We're actually, actually, um, in about a week from tomorrow, we will be on a Bigfoot uh, expedition in upstate New York. So. I can't wait to get out of the state of Florida, back up to New York to um, sit in the woods, <laughs> get real dirty and nasty and look for the big guy or the big girl. Is this this uh, the interaction that Al was talking about where he said he was going to get drones and a bunch of other cool stuff you guys are going to try out? Yeah, well, yes, he was, he was talking about drones, but then he realized he looked at the fine print on federal land. <laughs> That's very illegal, and you'll go to jail for about two years. You oh, can't do that on federal property. Let's not do that. <laughs> just yeah. fly it real low. They won't see it. Just sh- and if they, yeah. if they see a drone, you're just like, I don't know, man. I was just out here. I don't know who the hell's flying that damn thing. It's one of my fans. It's flying <laughs> by accident. 
There must be some guy chilling somewhere. It ain't us. And there's some guy hiding behind a bush with a little controller. Yeah. <laughs> Go hide. The DNR is coming. <laughs> I mean, I would love, you know, I always want to have my own uh, paranormal show. Not You're not making money in the paranormal. If Unless, unless you're the ghost adventure, you know, Brokeback Mountain there. <laughs> or your ghost, ghost hunters. You know, ghost hunters is really the one that really set the precedent. Because... With Ghost Hunters, after the first season, they did a whole run of seasons. They were making money, like real money, you know, and millions. Uh, but other than that, anybody else that's coming on, they're not making it. So I don't necessarily, I mean, I want to, you know, I want to be able to go out on these expeditions, these hunts. And I don't like call them hunts. It's more expeditions because we're not hunting Bigfoot. You know, it's not like we're Elmer Fudd hunting wabbits. Uh, you know, it's it's Bigfoot. We're, we're researching and investigating. And when you work for a show or you have a show that's your show, it's like, you know, we need that $70,000 drone. Yeah, bring it in. Bring it in. <laughs> you know, I don't have 70K to buy like a FLIR top tier drone that will like tethered and hover there for 19 hours, you know, catching all this stuff. So that's my main goal with eventually trying to get a show going. But uh, other than that, I had some, yeah, I have plenty of ex um, encounters uh, close and, and not so close with uh, Bigfoot. I like to call him Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever you're comfortable with. Sassy, you know, <laughs> good old sassy, watchy, big old big guy, you know? Um, and when I first, okay. So you got to understand when I grew up in the late seventies, the, Bigfoot for for me and for everybody else was the Pacific Northwest. There was no mention of Bigfoot on the East Coast whatsoever or anything outside of like Washington State. It was like, oh, you gotta go to Washington State, you know, like whatever. And what what happened was I used to work, my mother used to work as a teacher and she worked at a sleepaway camp in, in northwestern Connecticut. And because of that, I got to go for free. So I was pretty much there from when I was born until I left when I was a bit older um, because they started going to camp there and I was camping. Then I was a you know worker and it was great. I mean, like what a great way to do escape from New York city. So there was one year, I think it was either, I don't know if it was 77, 78 or 79. One of those years I was in this one bunk and you got to understand how these bunks are. It was like a long bunk. And when you walk in the, the rafters are exposed but when you walk into the, the door, which is in the center of this long bunk, there's two sides to it. I was on the left side of the bunk. It was filled with double deckers. Now, that's a metal frame bunk bed. Okay? So there were about one, six on one side, and then there was like eight on the other side. And then if you walk in, you go to the left of the room. There's a door to go out. And then in the leftmost corner was my bed. And where my, my bed was... There was a window there. It's roughly about three feet by three feet. And it was pretty high up. It, you know, it, you know, it was like where the bed mattress ended is like where you would see this window. So it was by my feet. And if you went outside, that window to access it was about seven to eight feet tall. Okay. So you have to be seven to eight feet tall at the bottom level to actually, you know, get to that window. So one night I was sleeping and, um, I woke up. I had to go to the bathroom. I have a lot of pee-pee pee -pee stories. <laughs> I'll say pee-pee story. Here we go with the pee-pee story again. Um, 
So <clears throat> I'm a young kid and I wake up and I, I'm, I have one, I'm like getting ready to get up because I have to go to the bathroom. And two, I'm smelling this horrific, like skunky odor smell. I mean, it stinks. And I'm used to it because it's, it's Connecticut. There's skunks everywhere. You know, someone probably went out, got sprayed, you know, trying to sneak out to the girl's side. Like, like you suck, you know, <laughs> whatever. So I, I kind of lean up in my bed and, you know, like when you're, you know, you can just raise up from the bed and I'm kind of like, you know, without moving or anything or like now as you get older, you're like, oh, you know, you're trying to, <laughs> trying to find your place, but you just you get up. And as I'm getting up, I'm seeing something in the window. Well, first, it's dark. So that means all the lights are off in the bunk. means all the councils are in. And it's late. And I look at the clock, and it's around 3 in the morning. So I said, okay, I got to go to the bathroom. And as I get up, I see something in the window. And I don't know if anybody can see this, but I'm going to kind of emulate what I'm doing. There's this big face in the window that looks like a giant monkey. Okay? You can see the brow. You can kind of make out the eye shape. You can definitely see the nose and like a the hair all over. And it looks like a monkey. And it's doing this. Back and forth. It's looking into the bunk, tilting its head. And its whole face is filling the window. It's, it's I mean, I'm sure there's even more face outside of it, right? I said, I'm not getting up. <laughs> <laughs> so I laid back down. And the problem with this is where that face was in the glass was no more than, and I kid you not, maybe three inches away from where my feet were. Hmm. And they were under the blanket, mind you. But like literally, if he looked right at me, he would have seen my feet move. And my fear at that point was this thing's going to come through the glass, grab me and pull my ass out the window. So I laid still. I didn't, I mean, I just barely breathed, like, you know, <laughs> you know, heavy breathing, like, what is that? And about an hour later, I got to the point where either the kid below me, Billy Carmen, was going to get very wet <laughs> <laughs> or I was going to go to the bathroom. So I slowly pulled my feet back and I get to the backmost, you know, hidden area of the bunk where there's no window there. And what I do is I slide down. And then I have to dog crawl from where I am pretty much across right in front of that door that leads to the outside where this thing is. And then all the way down. So I have to do like, eh, and then come across and then I'll be in the back area where the bathroom is. And I'm there and I'm, you know, army crawling (laughs) underneath when I get really slow. And when I get to the door, I just freeze for a second go through as quickly as possible. And I start going through all these beds, which was absolutely disgusting because there's so much crap on that floor, (laughs) but whatever. So I get up and I get behind this one spot and I look and I don't see it in the window anymore. I just don't see it. And I'm like, okay, well, there's windows behind me where the bathroom is. If I, if I start peeing there, it's going to make sound and then he can pull me through the window. Right. So I peed in the sink. (laughs) <laughs> that was my night. now the, the interesting thing that year is i saw ufos with numerous of my bunk mates we went outside we saw it um it may have been 77 because i think we went to see star wars too the premiere which was amazing um and that was it i didn't, wasn't thinking big but you know i heard about big but i was investigating at that point and it never registered in my head so i'm talking to that italian stallion al 
I'm not buying it, you know. And he was re- he was revealing to me about his first encounter with um, the skunk ape, which is Bigfoot down south, the dirty south skunk ape. And he said what year it roughly was. And it, it's um, and I was just look, looking back on my thing. And I said, well, I had this thing in the window, and I started remembering it. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go look up. So I looked up the 70s, and I looked up uh, Bigfoot sightings, Western Connecticut in the 70s. Bing <laughs> came up with like a date. And again, it was, I, I'm not sure if it was 77, 78, 79. And I started calculating, okay, where it was. And basically what I discovered is where my camp property is right next to it is a reservoir. The name of the reservoir is crystal Lake. Huh. Ironic okay. camp crystal Lake. <laughs> not ironic right. at all. Because the people that made that movie went to my camp and wanted to film it on it. Mm. I was standing there when the producers came and said, we, we want to use your property to film this movie, horror movie. And the people in the camp were like, nope. They thought it was bad press. And I was thinking, like, are you an idiot? All these bunks are older than shit. Let them <laughs> blow them up and then rebuild bunks. It's, it's whatever. Nope. So they left that location. They went. Kent, Connecticut, and they didn't, I think, Camp Kent, um, which is like, I don't know, 35 minutes away from us. So literally, if you got out of the camp, it's like there's maybe 100, 200 acre, uh, 200 yards from where the property, our property, where people would be, and then the woods, and then the lake. And then if you came out of the camp, you walked down the road, you could see the, you could see the, the, the reservoir, and you could see the roadway and everything, you know? So I look up the same year I calculated my bunks and went through the whole process. I was in this bunk, I was in four, then I went to five, then I went back, you know, whatever. The same year I had that encounter with that thing in my window, two people had an eyewitness account of this bipedal wild man right at that reservoir in front of it. So I said, holy crap. Now, if you take, if I could show you on the map where this is, if you went opposite, juxtaposition, you went opposite the reservoir of my camp over the other side of the mountain, there's a roadway and it's there's a dam there and it became Lover's Lane. So people hanging out down there, you know, smoochy poochie. And the same year that those two, two people saw something at the reservoir, which is right by my camp, these two cup, this couple were making out and they, they, they freaked them out. They said there was a seven to eight foot hairy man that walked right in front of their car. <laughs> so that was my first instance of Bigfoot because as I got older knowing now Bigfoot is everywhere. It's everywhere, especially on the East coast. Um, I knew that I was having a Bigfoot encounter at that point, but one of the best actual encounters I had took place in 2015. And I don't know if, if Al mentioned it, and I don't care. I'm going to tell you my side of the story. <laughs> <laughs> the hell with you, Al. Um, we were doing a day-night investigation up at uh, a lake in upstate New York. And we're keeping the location tad bit vague because it, it is one of our big spots. We don't want people going there not to, like, you know, my ball, uh, you know, my rules we're afraid there's too many yahoos out there and what they're going to do. But this lake is on a piece of property 
It's got a lot of high strangeness. It became a federal park and it butts up against the Appalachian Mountains, you know, like the trail. So you got two aspects of it. But throughout history, this property has always had some high strangeness to it. Strange creatures, strange sounds, strange lights, strange everything. Go back to Native American history. They do talk about it as well. And our goal was, um, prior to us getting there for the investigation, um, you know, Al, he used to walk through there a lot because it's near his house. He'd run his dog or whatever, do whatever. And he discovered a couple different areas around the lake. And the game plan was, we're going to go and go start at the top of the lake where there are these two. There was this one spot where he said that he discovered three um, quartz balls. So pieces of quartz that were rounded. I'm like, wow. quartz doesn't get rounded. Rock is rock, right? So when you break a rock, it chips, it, it's fractured. It's not, unless you're purposely playing with it or something, it doesn't necessarily come off as like a rounder shape. Was it an oblong kind of weird round or like perfectly spherical round? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I wouldn't say it's perfectly, but it's, it's like round. It's, I mean, I've seen a couple of river rock that are like that. You get some boulders that are over time. They'll soften. You know, if you, if you watch a lot of those uh, gold rush things where they, they're doing stream work or whatever, you can pull out rocks that are rounded. This is like, if you took a, a, really cheap volleyball shrunk it about an inch and a half, two inches. And, but, but jagged edges around it. it's, it's, you can see it's round or, or on its way, but you would have to mill it. So you'd have to run it through something and then polish it. So it gets softer or whatever, bigger than a softball, smaller than a volleyball. So he said, that was our game plan. Then when we went, we're going to go a couple other spots. So it was me, this guy, Al. <laughs> Damn it, Al. And a, yeah, and a friend of ours, Bill who had a YouTube program, did sky watching, whatever. And we wanted to go there. So the night we went, I remember saying that my daughter's birthday is the 30th of, of, of October. So I have a daughter born on mischief night. Go figure. Um, so we were going to do it that night. And it was my daughter's birthday. So I had, you know, I asked the wife, can I go? And she said, yeah. And prior to all that stuff taking place, us going, as we got closer, the dreams that I used to have, and Al started having like really weird dreams, and, and the psychic for our group was having some unnatural dreams, like weird things happening, visitations from, um, she called us guides or spirit people, and I was getting things uh, like kind of really weird, like I was like, I was anticipating something good, but also dreading something, you know, it was weird. I, I, I think sometimes what happens with people when you investigate, you, you key into the locations and they know you're coming. So, you know, you may, if you're, if you definitely have abilities, you're going to pick up on stuff. And, um, so we started discussing, I was talking to our psychic for the group, Cindy, and, you know, about different things she started analyzing the area and she wrote like 15 pages of notes about this expedition that I did not know about until after the fact. So I was, you know, Al was the point on that, which is fine with me. So 
I'm excited about it. I really want to go, but this is the first time I'm hanging out. Like I've talked to Al numerous times, met him a couple of times, you know, whatever. And I've always talked, I've talked to Bill as well, but never met him. So now I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going to the woods with two guys. Don't really know very well. This should be interesting. This is how every freaking horror film starts, right? <laughs> come on, why don't you come out to the woods? We'll have a cake. Yeah, that's good. You know. Oh, you don't need a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Just the boys. We'll be fine. <laughs> Just hang out by those chainsaws. Oh, here we go. Yeah. <clears throat> so as we're walking in, we couldn't park in the parking lot. Now, let me just set up the scene. Where the lake is, is about a mile into the property. Right? So there's a little park area there, parking for your car area. Then you'd walk in about a mile. And then you get to this lake. And the lake is beautiful. It opens up to the left. It kind of straddles the Appalachian Trail. It's an easier path. It go, there's an area where there was like like uh, old days. It looked like a campsite area, and then you get you know you continue on the Appalachian Trail to the right. It goes okay for a little bit, maybe a hundred yards, and then it becomes a go trail. So to get to the top of the lake, you kill yourself. You can't do it. I mean, it's. Daytime, it would be tough because there's, there's like these really tight spots and you'd have to shimmy down a, like little mini cliffs. You're going to kill yourself. So, of course, we're going to go to the left. But we had to park about a quarter of a mile away from the parking lot because that place closes, sunset, you're done, out, right? So we parked there, we walked down and we're hiking in. And the minute I kind of entered the park area where we're walking down this road for a mile, out of the peripheral vision of my, you know, myself, I keep seeing these really weird things and I'm sensing it. And I see something like I would, I would catch something going behind a tree really quick, like instantaneously and like a little bit of a brown thing, like a foot, but it would never go forward. It was too big for the tree. Almost. I, I there was a couple of movies where you, you see something in the woods and it like it went into a portal or something, but something was literally paralleling us on the way in. So I mentioned it to the, the boys. I said we're, we're being watched right now. We, we got we got a we got a, an escort. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, there's an escort coming. And I'm explaining to them because we go behind the tree and then disappear. And then as we walk a little bit further, there was another one that goes behind the tree. I'm like, okay. And I'm seeing it not only in the same location, like. You know, this high eye I height level, but it would it would go down. It would it would literally you would see it was traveling the pathway of the hills of, of the place. So I said, "All right, this is going to be interesting. This is good. This is a good way to start." So we walk in, we get to the opening of the lake. We decide to go to the left because it's the easier route. We go to the left and go to the campsite. Now, the place where we have to be is two miles up. So we have to go circle to the left and we get to this top location that's two miles up where we're going to make our first campsite. And on the way there, we pass by these uh, sheer, this sheer cliff and near the campsite area. And, and there's no way you can get into this area, not even going around it. it it's, it's almost like surrounded by trick trees. And it had to have been 15 feet up. You know, you can see this top of this rock formation, big sheer rock. And then at the top of it are these stones piled on top of each other, hmm. like making these pyramids. And I know that sometimes hikers do that. They'll 
I don't know why people do it. They make these like really weird rock formations in, in the water or whatever. But I also know that it's it looks like of something that the Inuit use. It's called an Anukashuk. And basically what they do is they build, if they're going into an area where there's a spirit, they know is a spirit and to protect themselves, they will build this. It looks like a rock man. So like picture rocks in this, in, in the shape of you made like a teepee and then a bigger rock going across. And then on the top of it, it looks like a head, you know, goes up head and then some arms. And I know that, and I'm, I'm, you know, those guys don't know what Anukashuk is. I know what it is because my father collected Eskimo art. So I know a ton of things about the Eskimos, uh, the Inuit. <clears throat> Sorry. So we get, we eventually go over to this one location where, where our campsite is. And, and what we do is you have to, I mean, it's a, it's a fairly easy path. So from the campsite area where we get to, which is, just past where that rock formation was to walk around to the other area. It was pretty, pretty much the bulk of the top of the, of the, of the lake. So you're looking at maybe 15 minute walk, nothing, nothing more than that. Um, so we, we pull over to this other side and we walk in and this is where Al's showing me. These are where I found the stones. And sure enough, there weren't three stones there. There were two and they were together and it's totally did not make sense. Like, it looked like someone went there, chipped out a, a chunk of, of quartz and started, you know, working it, tooling it. And I'm like, holy crap, these do look like balls. So he goes, this is where we're going to have the uh, investigation. I said, okay, cool. So we set up. Al's in the middle. I'm to the right of Al. Well, I'm visually, I'm going to give you the, if you were looking at us, Al in the middle, I'm to the right, about 10 to 12 feet away from Al and to the 10 to 12 feet away from Al on the other side is Bill. We're sitting in our chairs and we start investigating. Now, Al had certain ideas that he wanted to do during the day and then investigations at night. And some of them are singular, like him, he does his own thing. I do my own thing. And then some of us were joined investigations. So we go through the whole process. He has a parabolic mic. And while we were there, it's, we can hear dogs in the distance, but you know, you, you, you can hear the, nature the way it is and things are okay and as we're st we stay there longer we start hearing tree knocks you know i'm like you hear that yeah i heard that tree knock and al has the parabolic mic on it's like tree knock <laughs> like we know grandpa you know <laughs> uh and and bill is is because he does his youtube stuff he's filming like you know he's doing his own thing i'm kind of filming as much as i can for um twitter which i i used like uh forgot what it was called steam pipe or whatever it was where i can go live with twitter it was great at one point and i'm doing my own experiments and they get to a point there was a nuclear uh uh problem at the lake it was once used by the u.s uh, a company called united nuclear corp they were given the property they were given the permission to use weapons grade nuclear material to try to create some kind of engine for the u.s government so they had an accident and they cleaned it up wink wink winking right now <laughs> they're cleaning it up they didn't i mean there's a lot of weird things like they have bass alligator bass in there that can take down a like a like a calf i mean it's huge so 
Al's with the power bar. Mikey goes, listen, this is crazy. And he, he's looking down at the, these trees, and then he's pointing it up. And you and it's what's interesting is when he gets to the top of these trees or pointing up, he hears what sounds like a, a Morse code signal. Maybe you know it's it's like these beeps and weird sounds and clicks. He goes, What the hell is that? I said, Well, my opinion is could be a couple of things. Could be a UFO, right? We're in an area there. I mean, it's high strangeness. Maybe we're getting some kind of signal from him. Or it could be one of the um, microwave towers that the military still use. You know, we, you see them all over the country. It's like a steel tower. That's in case of a nuclear war. That's the only thing that's going to work, microwaves, right? So that's how they're going to communicate with each other. And I said, but another thing is, given the time frame of when this tree was a little sapling all the way up to wherever it is, you could be picking up sounds of the radiation from the tree. So I said, okay, let me let me go, let me record it. So I took his parabolic mic and started recording the whole thing. <clears throat> that started getting weird. But on top of that, there was, you know, there everybody was like throwing their theory out there or whatever. Everybody wants to be the bull, you know, like uh, I think it's this, I think it's that. And I'm like, okay, well, keep your theories, we'll, we'll discuss it later. As the day kept going on, we're doing these experiments, we would take uh um we take a the temperature gauge and we point it at these rocks, both of them. Nothing registered. No, no strange anomalies. None of that crap. And we're like, okay, this is, you know, I've been on investigations where they're like, oh God, we're wasting all this time. There's nothing here, right? Type of thing. But there was something that was taking place as we were there. We we're getting more and more rock knocks. We were getting tree knocks. And, and the birds started to go away every time you heard a rock knock or a tree knock right so it'd be like you know you know something like that birds just shut up and then eventually birds just disappeared and once the birds disappeared roughly around four ish in the afternoon this feeling started to take over the property and the best way you can describe it is an immense amount of pressure was building up. If you've ever been out in the summer in the South or most, most of the time it's in the South, but most places where a rain's coming, you can see it in the distance and then you can kind of feel the negative energy that's in the air, the negative ions kind of feels like when you're touching a, 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 a nine volt to your tongue or whatever, you, know, you try this. Ow, <laughs> um, this is what's, this is what's happening, right? So we're going through all these different things and we're like, you know, Al's like, uh, let's call Cindy. <laughs> okay. Let's call Cindy. So we call her and we're calling and it's, it's really, you can feel this. It's, it feels like it's, it's all around you. It's getting pressurized and it feels a little bit uneasy, un uneasy. You're a little bit more on edge. All of us were. Um, I think Bill was even complaining, like, I, you know, this doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel right. I'm like, okay, let's let's talk to Cindy. We get Cindy on the phone. She's in Arkansas, mind you. I'm going to take a drink while while we do this. And Cindy, you can't hear her. I'm like, what's going on? Like, what are you? What are you talking? You know, like it sounds. Are you? Are you eating while you're talking? No, I'm not eating. You know, and she she gets a little. <laughs> 
she gets a little upset with us because we'll always play around with her. Like, you know, we'll be in a place and was like, oh, you know, where are we? So she'll tell us where we are. It was okay. We're going to move. Where are we? She go, okay. Oh, you were in the damn same, same damn place you were before. <laughs> you know, okay. Just checking, you know, cut it out, you know? So something weird was going on with her and it was noticeable. I wish we, we had the recorder to actually hear the sound because you would, it literally sound like if you took like 15 hot dogs and put them in your mouth and try to recite the, the pledge of allegiance, you couldn't do it. Okay. It was really bad. So he said, okay, well, we'll call you back. And, and she's an hour back anyhow. So we, after that moment, everything really started getting tense. And I started feeling it. I know Al was feeling it and I know Bill was feeling it. Whether those guys admitted to things, I mean, he started saying something to the effect, possibly like, you know, I got like this, this taste in my mouth or whatever. That's, that's out. That's an owl thing. Got this taste in my mouth, you know, like whatever. I'm like, okay, I'm making notes of all this because this is the first time I'm investigating with Al uh, on the, on the spot, you know, like the no, second time, second time with Al first with Bill. So I have to note everybody's there to keep the proper record. And it's, it's getting more and more intense. And then it's, you know, the sun is slowly setting, so we're losing light. We're not going to build a fire because we don't want to get caught. So we have, to do, we have to start doing things. So I have a crystal skull I carry with me all the time. His name's Scully. And Al has a rose quartz skull. Okay? And, he, and we, we had a plan. Said, what we're going to do is this. We're going to put the skulls down because one supposedly is a receiver and the other one's a giver. We're going to see if there's energy there. So we, we go and we hit the balls again. Fleer and a temperature gauge. There's nothing around the balls. Not, they're not giving off anything. It's literally cold. And I'm like, that's, that's kind of odd because they were fairly in the sun. They should have gotten some kind of warmth from it and stored it. We put Scully on in his rows and then we, we hit him with lasers for a second. And we started taking out we have this app or he uses a, a a singing bowl i have an app i have singing bowls but i also have a singing bowl app we love to use the app all the time to ramp up you know the energy in the area there and so and lucky for you i have it on right now so now you hear it right so i'm doing this with the singing bowls right i'm doing with this with my app out on a speaker I don't want to kill you with that. <laughs> and uh, please stop. <laughs> you know, um, and Al's using the singing bowl. And the more we do it, the more intense the feeling starts getting. We then go look at these two, two skulls. We hit them with lasers. We take the lasers away. And then we start looking at it at FLIR and the temperature gauge. And bingo, this thing is booming. It's glowing. Both the rocks, you can see it. It's it's popping, and we're like, "Oh, that's that's kind of interesting." That's interesting. You know, we love using sound and frequency on our investigations because we feel it's a, it's a huge key in how to communicate. Sound, frequency, vibration, resonance is energy. I've just I, I studied that years ago, but I, I've implied I've I've employed it in every investigation because. It's what resonates, no pun intended, with the spirits. And whether it's ghosts or or 
extraterrestrials or Bigfoot or other beings, somehow it draws them in. And at this point, it's really, really getting intense. And you start, we start hearing foot fodder, like something is walking and it's getting closer. And Al, of course, you know, I'm going through videotaping one area of it, listening, you know, trying to do the FLIR thing, the, you know, and, and the night vision just to get, you know, so, like looking in the areas of the rock knocks because the rock knock is literally two rocks hitting each other. And then the tree knocks is a, it's a whack. And we get to a point where we hear the tree knock and then everything stops. There's not a frog croaking. Nothing's happening. It's like, Oh, this is getting good. This is interesting. Then you hear them. You hear something. You, you actually feel it. Something big is walking on the leaf litter. And we're like, okay, well, there's bear here. There's big cat. I have a machete on my right side. I have one in the back. None of us have guns. Because one, you, one, I don't have one. I was living in New York City. I don't have a firearm whatsoever down there, up there. Um, and two, if you bring it into a federal federal land, you're going to jail. Maximum, minimum two years. They're not kidding. They don't want it there. So we use machetes because you need to have a survival knife and a machete just in case something comes at you, right? So I'm thinking one thing and Al's thinking something else with the, the, the headphones. And then you hear this thing walking and it sounds like it's creeping up on us. And as it's doing that, it's getting even more and more intense, like like a horror movie. Like you, there's certain points in a movie when you're watching a movie and they're drawing you right to that spot and you can feel the tension just before the big, you know, reveal, like the boo, whatever. And before we know it, we we're sitting where we're sitting. Al, I'm sitting where I'm sitting. Al standing up at the microphone, that the, the parabolic, and we hear something run right by Bill. Now, again, Al's in the middle. If you're looking at him, I'm to the right. Bill's to the left. We're about 12 feet away from each other. This thing looks like it is charging and it's coming in hot. And you can hear it. You can feel the ground, you know, moving. Sorry for the sound effects, folks. Um, <laughs> and Bill gets up. I get up. I immediately go to the right of Al because we need to form. I like yeah, it's a triangle. I'm not running in the woods. I can't run the other way. I'll kill myself. It's pitch black at this point. Bill just starts running scared out of his mind. Al grabs and stand your ground, stand your ground. And Al will tell you that, you know, I thought I was going to have to sacrifice my left arm for this, you know, like you, <laughs> like a lion tamer or whatever. Um, but I stood there and I pulled out that machete about three quarters and I'm like, fight or flight, right? And my heart is is flaring right now. It's just, beep, beep, beep. it's going crazy. So he calms Bill down and we're looking and then it stops. This thing should have been right on in front of us. Nothing. So what do we do? We do what any idiots would do. <laughs> we don't run away. No, we run at it. <laughs> so we have clear... <laughs> We have night vision. We have infrared. We have bills like six million candle watt light bulb, you know, like, like flashlight. Boom. Light up the woods. Look at the direction. There's nothing there. There's a wall there. 
that Bill was sitting next to. But on the other side, we run over to the other side of the wall. Nothing's there. Nothing's even moved. We run over to the spot where Al and I are sitting in between this little area. It's a little bit of a hill behind us. We run up the hill and we were looking. This thing was right here. Like, what the F is going on? What the hell's going on with this stuff? So we can't see anything. We don't hear anything moving. You don't hear any trees breaking. And where this thing was behind Al and I, where it was, you know, moved to, uh, we believe. If you follow that pathway, that would be the goat trail coming in. Okay, it's littered with trees. It's, it's pitch black. You can't see a damn thing. And there's no way this thing is moving without making making a sound, you know, like breaking trees down or ripping them down. So like, so it stops. We we, we regroup. He goes, what was that? I don't know. What was that? You know, like, dude, that was big. It sounded like a bear. We went over, look for bear prints. We look for something, nothing. Settle down for a few minutes. It's still getting tense in the air. We feel it. We hear um, a tree knock on the other side of the, where we're, where we're located at the top of this lake to the left of us on the path that we would take, maybe a hundred yards. There came a point where there was a little, the lake comes to a point there. And then it's a little bit of a mountainous area that you'd have to go up to. We hear something on the other side of that point, no more than a hundred yards from us. And it's a tree knock. And, we're, we're sitting there in the dark, and we're like, okay, that's good. That's a good sound because that's a Bigfoot sound. And Al has the parabolic mic on. And the next thing you know, you hear whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh, three freaking whoops, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and once that whoop happened, there were dogs in the background, and they were barking in the distance. They stopped cold, Okay. This whoop was so close. Whoever was doing it was so close to us. You literally felt it reverberate in your chest. It's I, the, the example of it is being at a concert and the bass player goes, boom, and you feel the bass in your body. Went whoop, whoop. And the third whoop was on the other end of the lake, two miles away in an instant. And... Al was like, I think there's people here. I'm like, Al, there's no fucking people here. That's that's a Bigfoot, you know? Because I've heard this whoops before in research that specific Northwest, whatever. And he goes, no, it's not. It's, dude, that's that's a Bigfoot. What do you, you know? And we start talking about why do you think, you know, I think it was uh, just, you know, pissed off at us that we didn't go because they tried to bluff charge us. And I'm like, eh, I don't think so. And we start breaking it down. And I'm the one that says, well, you know what? Let, let's break down what happened. Tree knocks, tree knocks, tree knocks, bluff charge. We're here. There's right. We don't go anyplace. We go investigate. Another tree knock. And then the next thing you know, you got whoop, whoop, whoop. And I said, that thing was a scout. That Bigfoot came here and was telling the tree knockers, there's three of them. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Take the long way home, right? Mm-hmm. Don't go this way because they seem to be wanting to get where we were. 
So there, you know, we were we were arguing over it, but I think I was right one hundred percent about it. And then at that moment, I had this. I had this concept of Bigfoot, right? You have a hypothesis about a creature. Everybody that investigates these things, unless you have a real physical Bigfoot in your possession, it's all hypothesis. Mm -hmm. It's theory, conjecture, and a hypothesis. Some people are really crazy with them. <laughs> you know, they're Nephilim. No, they're not. <laughs> nope. I don't believe they're Nephilim. Sorry. Nope. I'm going to go with a different answer. Um, some people believe they're aliens. Nope. I believe the following. I always thought Bigfoot was flesh and blood, something from Gigantopithecus, the missing link. And that's where these creatures evolve from. Okay? After that night, when this thing whooped, whooped, and then two miles down, whooped it again, and it was freaking loud then too, I changed my whole entire thought process on this creature. This creature, because... I said, this creature is interdimensional. And I went through the process and I said, I'll tell you why. I studied physics in school and astronomy. I thought about being a, an astrophysicist at one point. And I told this to Al at one point. He goes, oh, you're going to be an asshole physicist. <laughs> like, no, Al, I'm not going to be an asshole. Man. You know, we choke around with each other. But I loved it, but it, you know, in the long run, when you're studying these things, you want to study, but you also have to make a living and a life, right? So I, I wasn't going to make it there, you know. And I studied at the beginning of string theory, which is now quantum mechanics and whatever, and the thought of uh, uh, portals and whatever were there, you know. But the only way this creature can go from point A where we were to point B where last whoop was is if this thing opened a portal, walked into it, and then came out the other end of where it wanted to be. Okay? And once I came to terms with that being the case, in my opinion, I will never go back to flesh and blood, you know, Gigantopithecus ever again, because it makes sense, and I'll explain to you in, in, in a minute about this. So the problem, yeah, the problem with the Bigfoot is I believe that it, it has the ability to be flesh and blood here on earth, this plane, but also has the ability to change its molecular structure and energy fields into another field to ultimately get into a subatomic field and go interdimensionally. And the reason why I say that is it's been done before. We're able to do it now currently, but there's a lot of reports when you get to a Bigfoot, there's a lot of sightings like, oh, there was UFOs there. Like there's, and these orbs and UFOs, or you'll get a report where the guy sees the tracks, you know, 17 inch footprint, you know, like five half, you know, six foot gate or whatever it is. And it's walking through the snow and then it ends in the middle of a lake and there's no other tracks anyplace. Well, how the hell do you think it got where did, it, where did it go? The explanation is it opened a portal and went into a different dimension. And it's, it, it's all the evidence is kind of pointing to that thing. On top of that, when you create, when you change energy from one form to another, one, you need more energy to do it, right? So in all these sightings, people go out there and they don't have things hardwired in. 
camera batteries drain, flashlights drain, car batteries drain. This thing is pulling energy off of that whole grid. And also outside, you know, 369 Tesla, we're not going to get into Tesla right now, <laughs> but, you know, you can pull the energy, you can draw energy from outside, but you're going to go from the quickest, easiest points. And that's all this electronic crap that we all carry around with us, right? On two, when you, when you do the transfer from point, you know, energy A to B, at the end of the transfer or the beginning, there's usually a spark that, that happens. There's your lights, okay? There's your change of lights. It can be blue, it can be red, it can be white, it can be yellow, whatever that spark change is. I believe these beings also, not only do they, when they convert their energy, they, they you know, they have the spark, but they can also then stay within that energy field, form, and then become orbs and lights and, you know, or use that energy to create the camouflage. Like, you know, everybody uses the predator camouflage, mm -hmm. right? Which, if you've watched TV as of late, there's some shows that have shown certain things. There's a great movie by Jay Batochin called Finding Jay. He's at a he's an investigator, movie maker, researcher, and investigator, Bigfoot in, in the Kettle Moran. Fantastic guy. Get him on. Actually, he's coming on inquiries next month, believe it or not. It's <laughs> so there funny, you Tommy, you mentioned that. And I actually have both of his movies up here uh signed by him too. Yeah, he's a he's a buddy of mine. So um and uh there's a scene in the movie. Uh, this case I saw this well after the fact. And they're standing there. They can smell something that's, you know, like Bigfoot-esque, okay? It's just weird. And they're like, they hear something, and they, they're on their toes, like something's happening, right? But they can't see anything. And I'm watching the video, and the vantage point of the camera that's facing them, and in the background, there's a tree limb, limb that's there, right? And I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm like, okay, or right, where's, where's, where is this thing? And then I caught it after the third time. The tree limb bends by itself. Not like a wind bend. It, just, it lowers by itself like weight's been put on it. So I called up Jay. I go, you know, seen in ba -ba -ba, this, this many minutes in? He goes, yeah. And you were looking for that creature? Yeah. He was standing right in front of you. Because it was invisible. It cloaked itself because it's able to change its form. And it literally was standing there. And it, it, it put the weight on the tree. That's this is my opinion of it. And I think Jay looked at it and goes, holy shit. <laughs> you know, holy crap. Because it's, I'm telling you, like, I said, Jay, you had, you had a Bigfoot right on camera. And I said, one day when we get to a point where we can create a quantum filter, all of us, all of us are going to have the, the weirdest time you're going to be bugged out. Kids at that point would be like, oh, it's just so, you know, they're not going to, find the speciality of, of it. But we'll be able to put this filter in front of other projects like film, digital, and I guarantee you, you'll be able to see in dimensionally other dimensions. Aren't people already yeah. starting to kind of do that? You see the pictures, they'll do like reflections off of water using like black paper and they get these faces of interdimensional beings. So it's already kind of in the process where people are working on something right. like that. And and I said that, I was talking to Ron Moorhead about that. He goes, holy crap, that's a, yeah, oh, wow. You know, because he does quantitate it, quantum Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. And this was, all this took place prior to his book coming out. 
I'm not biting on him or, or whatever, you know. This is, was just because of what I studied. So that's, yeah, great book. Fantastic. Ron's a great guy, too. Um, you'll see him in some of my T-shirts, so eventually he'll wear them, whatever. But getting back to the investigation after this in the whoop, I was thoroughly convinced at that point this being is interdimensional. And what was interesting was we were debating about it. We decided, like, let's just sit down a little bit, you know, again. And we went back to our seat separately, you know. And what was interesting, as we sat there after this big whoop, whoop, you know, it's reverberating your face. Everything's at you. The pressure was gone. It cut out. And I noticed, and I, I, was, one, I was the one that said, like, you guys uh, noticed the pressure's gone? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I know it. Like, yeah. Al was the same way. He said, that's really interesting. Do you think that that pressure is from like the buildup of him harvesting all the energy? So it's almost like all the energy flowing through you guys until it all gets harnessed. And then as soon as it, the reaction happens and it's gone. Is that kind of the thought process behind it? No, my thought process was more um, infrasound. Gotcha. So what I, and, and I didn't, you know, when you're going, <laughs> when you're on an investigation, and yes, you 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 sign up for going for Bigfoot. Um, you always get somebody, and I'm sure I'm sure Al is Mr. Macho. Like I I wasn't scared whatsoever. You know, I I had my cannoli and a gun. You know, it was good. You know, I, I'm gonna call bullshit on everybody. Okay, because <laughs> that moment when this thing was bluff charging at us and then whooped at us. And there was pressure there. That was a depends moment. Okay. <laughs> That's one thing to put on the Sasquatch list. And you're going out and you're doing yeah. Sasquatch investigations. Make sure you got a couple depends in your backpack. Yeah. Or on you, even better yet. <laughs> yeah, or, or they, yeah. Got to plug the cornhole, buddy. <laughs> um, so, so, and, and after we told this, this, what, what took place to other people, like, well, I would have ran right out there. I'm like, you wouldn't have done crap. You would have been crying like a girl in the corner because we know people. Everybody's like the armchair quarterback, right? This was an intense moment. This really was, you know, this is a, is a big thing because if you think and you step back from it, this creature, these creatures are, this is their home. They're trying to go home. And one of them goes ahead because this is how the clans operate with these Bigfoots. That one of them is is going to go ahead, the strong one, to, to make sure the path is clear before sending in, you know, the young and whoever else is with them, the spouse. And so they're willing to kill for you, for them, right? Just like you have your family, you know, if anybody comes over to your kids, you're like, who the hell are you? I could use another eye socket, you know, <laughs> like there's things you would do. So logically i'm working all these things out but you know it's it's it was an intense situation that was noticeable and then once that whoop happened it kind of stopped and you can feel everything just felt great it was like oh oh okay this is okay this is good and we sat there for a few more minutes and we were like you know it's getting late maybe we should move to the next location and you know I voiced my opinion about that. I'm like, okay, this was pretty good, but you maybe we'll move back in the direction of where those tree knocks were. Maybe we'll cross paths. And before I could finish saying that, I heard this ruckus of something 
sailing behind me through the trees, hitting branches, the brakes. And the next thing you know, I hear the thud. And then the roll rolls about three or four times, hits my chair, knocks me 10 feet forward out of my chair. I'm like, holy crap. I just got, I just had a rock thrown at me. I got kicked out of the chair. Like what? So we go back there and I call it a boulder, but anything that's more than I could. I mean, what this thing did was beyond it. It sailed through trees. It picked it up and it threw it. This was not like a little rock. This was my size, like the size of a freaking watermelon, you know, big watermelon. And he threw it. And I think he threw it out of frustration. Like we didn't leave. So he was like, fuck you guys. <laughs> Sounds like Ape Canyon almost. And I, I just to throw in an, an analogy for this too. I heard somebody recently mention this, that it's almost like Sasquatch acts like we're rats in our in their home like at first you know you're just trying to shoo them away and scare them but at the end of the day like you'll smash a rat with a shovel if it's in your house yeah i mean you know and and especially if there's families around you know Mm -hmm. whatever but we got up we looked we looked for trees you know you can't see anything even though we have the the light you're not going to see the difference in whatever you don't not remembering that and behind me rusty against my chair which is tipped over is something that looks like a freaking watermelon rock, you know, and it was thrown at me and it was thrown out of like, I think frustration. Like, why didn't you guys leave? You shouldn't be here. And that was that. And after that, we collected our stuff and and then we slowly started like, you know what? Let's just, you know, I was like, yeah, let's go to the next, next location. So we're packing up and um, get the headlamps on. I'm packing my stuff up all my equipment and I had a little backpack uh, backpack and I have a camera called the Olympus T4. I think it is. It's an underwater camera. And I like using it on investigations because when you, an underwater camera has to adapt to low light, if no light down and underwater. So if you're videotaping down there, they have an algorithm that they use in their, their software that is able to really pull out the light, you know, and record at low light, low ISO. Without really using flashes or anything, you know, artificial, it just works out better. So I'm packing away. I put it in the bag. I have my coat on, and I'm like, you know what, Brian? Don't be that guy that puts his camera away and can't get to it. So I take it out of the bag, and I put it in my breast pocket, right, my, my jacket. And we're going, and we start hiking out. So it's Al, me, and then Bill. Believe me, behind me. Yeah. No, it was Al, Bill, and myself. And then we're walking, and we get to this point where we leave our area, and we kind of go around the tip of the of the lake, you know, that, or at the top part of it. And what's wonderful is, it was St. Hollow's Eve. <clears throat> it was a it was a meteor shower on a full moon. Okay, <laughs> no light pollution. I mean, like perfect for everything. And we look out, and when we get to this one point, because we're only like fifteen minutes away from the next spot. We get to this one point, and you can see all the stars up there. You can see across the lake, the moon lighting, lighting up a little bit of the shine on the lake. And it's just beautiful. And then I notice this craft or this thing, and it looks like a yellowish-orange like ball, like light, incandescent light. And it's going from, I always remember this, like basically east to west, right? 
And it's going through, and it's going through this guy, you know, whatever. And I'm thinking it's maybe a helicopter or whatever feeling. And without missing a beat, I go, what is that? And I point at it. What is that? And this thing starts going like this. And goes, as soon as I say, what is that? It stops. And now it's coming right at us. So I'm like, ooh, this is getting good. This is getting real good, right? We all have headlamps on. Al's in front. And I reach in. This thing comes right over to us. Does not make a freaking sound whatsoever. It's no more than, I'm going to say, 30 feet max to where the tree, the top of the tree is near us. And now we all have our headlamps on. And I'll go, shut your headlamps off. So I shut the headlamp off. Everybody does. And Al's in the front. And I'm, I pulled out my camera and I'm videotaping. And that video of this object actually is on Bronxville Paranormal Society's YouTube channel page. You can watch it. If I can find it, I'll have to throw it in the show description for the listeners. They want to check it out. Yeah. And um, so we're watching this thing and certain things we do. And Al goes, time check. Hmm. And Bill goes, 9.15. Like, good, watch it. That's it. And if you listen to the video, and I beg you to listen with headphones, there's a mechanical hum, and then a like, like, like a, a musical note thing taking place. It sounds like it's vibrating or, man, or magne, um, magnetic or like a, like a motor, magnetized motor. Or, what, or if you're a guitar player and you turn an amp on, like a Marshall, and you hear the hum. That's what it sounds like. And I'm fil- I said, holy crap, I'm filming this thing. And I said in other words, but whatever. <laughs> you know. And then you hear Bill after the after saying 915. He's like, What is it? And the way he says it is very robotic. Okay. We keep going. And then the next thing you know. At, while we watch the sighting there, I figured, you know, I'm holding on to the recorder to record it. It has unlimited recording. It's not one of those cameras where if you press it, it only records like two, one minute clip, five minute clips, whatever. Next thing you know, we were like, okay, we walk, you know, it was like over and we walk over to the campsite. We're literally five minutes, less than five minutes away from this campsite. It is nothing. We get to the campsite and then we set back our stuff up and we're like, oh, that was kind of cool. That was a really weird craft, whatever. Which is kind of odd because when you have this experience, you shouldn't be like, whatever. You understand? Mm-hmm. So we're playing, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, okay, let's go have some tea, you know, whatever. <laughs> so we, we set up some chairs um, and we said, you know, what? We, we need to call Cindy back. Bill's off by himself and um, we, uh, we start doing a little bit of experimentation and Bill's videotaping. I, I, I jerry-rigged a, a portable LCD, and I gave him an SD card, one of those, you know, non-mechanical ones. And I started seeing these things in the woods, and they were going from tree to tree to tree, right? Tree, tree, tree. And we're there. And I'm noticing this. I'm noticing moving in the woods that are blacker than the blackness that is there. 
And, you know, Bill goes off and starts filming for his YouTube thing. And Al says, okay, let's call Cindy. And we were not there more than 10 minutes when we got there. So maybe a max 15 minutes, right? From the 9.15. It literally was 9.15 and then we were just at the site. So he goes, time check. So I look at my watch and I'm like, it's 10 to 12. (laughs) He goes like, what? What? I said, it's 10 to 12. I said, holy crap. I think we, I think we have an issue. He's like, hold on. Let, let, let me call Cindy up. So we get on the phone and we call, we call Cindy up. It's like, what the hell's wrong with you guys? You know, it's like, whoa, relax. You know, what the hell's going on with you? And she starts telling me that she's getting scratches on her. She goes, what happened? You know, I haven't heard from you. You know, I was getting worried, nervous. And I said, you know, we started to talk to her a bit. And while we're starting to talk, well, you know, we just got here. There was, and we were just about to tell her about whatever we saw. And we hear what sounds like a family on a, on a day hike in the middle of the woods that was coming right near us. I'm like, oh, okay. So we hang up on her. Not a good move. <laughs> um, and Al goes, Bill, turn your lamp on. We turn our lamps. I said, we got to turn the lamps on. These people come around the corner and see three guys here with machetes in the dark. I mean, we're going to jail. You know, it's the cartel. Yeah. <laughs> Again, another plot for a movie, right? <laughs> so we turn the lights on and we're waiting. And we're waiting. And we're waiting. Ten minutes goes by. They should have been there right there. I mean, it was literally right there. No one's there. So Bill puts his flashlight out. We're looking. Nothing on the pathway. We look on another pathway. Like, where the hell do these people go? We don't even hear them talking. They were having a conversation like we're having a conversation, you know, when you're talking about like with your buddies going out like, oh, I love the plot of the movie. It was great. But this was a conversation. There was kids involved, too. And nothing happens. So we're like, what the hell's going on? So first of all, again, uh, St. Hollow's Eve, full moon, about around midnight. Who the hell's taking their family out for a walk besides Dracula? You know? <laughs> Like, who the hell's doing that, right? So um, we call Cindy back, and she's really pissed now. You guys pissed me off, you know, and, and going, I'm like, listen, this is what happened. We were talking to you, and then there's a family that was that was coming around. It sounded like a you know, family coming around, and we didn't want to scare them, so we had to shut the phones off, turn our lights on so we don't, you know, startle them. Because those people aren't there right now. They'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> I'm like, what? He goes, you're in a space-time rip. And I'm like, What? She goes, yeah, you're in a space-time rip, and you're going to see all these. And she starts talking about all these different things we're going to start seeing. You're going to see, like, guardians, and you're going to see Sasquatch. You're going to see these little people and these light beings and whatever. And boom, true to form, right after that phone call, we go back to with Jerry rigging, you know, um, Bill's camera with this. So Al's monitoring in one thing and he's monitoring in the camera. You can do that. You kind of sight send the audio and the video out in one camera. And we start videotaping stuff. And I'm like, look over in the woods. There's something moving over there. And I said, it looks little and it's small. It looks like a woodland creature, you know, and not the woodland creature from South Park, by the way. Yeah, so <laughs> <looking> <laughs> just, just some woodland creatures here. <laughs> What's going on? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so, um, but uh, I have that as a phone ringer for my friend. Um, and I start seeing these things. And I see, this is really, really cool about it. As I'm seeing it, Bill 
and Al are capturing these things on the on the camera. Al seeing it in the in the portable, you know, like LCD screen, which is about the size of my phone right here, right there, that one. And Bill's looking through the camera, you know, the camera lens. are like, oh my god, we got you know, and we're like, holy crap! I mean, you see everything. You see li- little wee people. Like, I guess best example would be like elves or something like that. Little beings. Then you have these little light beings. Then you have light fairies that are doing these weird things in different colors, white and blue and red and yellow, but individual ones. And then if you look into the woods, you see that we're, and this is exactly what Cindy said, you're going to be surrounded by watchers. And they're going to be different types. There's going to be native watchers. They're going to be taller ones in cloaks. They're going to be giant watchers watching over you you know, watching what you're doing. And literally I'm seeing all these beings there, but the problem is because it's so dark and it's dark within dark, I'm seeing the outcropping of them, you know, the shapes of them. And there's certain, there's certain things like when you see somebody in a, in a, in a cloak, it's uniform like Vader or, or, uh, or Obi-Wan Kenobi in that Brown thing. When you see other beings, like there were extraterrestrials, that there was natives there, and you could see that, kind of make out the fact that they were shirtless and they had just like these pants, you know, like this, I don't know, like leather pants or not pants, but like um, the chaps, yeah, something like that. And they were all around us, and it was just, it was a mind blowing experience with that. And then they're seeing it, so we're like, dude, we got the, we just got the greatest evidence ever. So we go over to the camera. We're going to go, dude, this is the best. We're going to make, you know, people are going to go, holy crap, look what they got. And we go in there, and Shane's going to love this one. <laughs> um, you go there to rewind, to play the file, file corrupted. Ooh. <laughs> That's the, the worst. <laughs> this is the problem with it. Brand new top-tier SD card. They never get corrupted. I've used them. I mean, I've literally walked on top of them for months. And you put them in and it works fine. I think they just did not want us to take that evidence where we were supposed to. And later on, we did find out, well, through Cindy, that they were okay with two of you being there, not all three of you. And they're not going to let you take the evidence home. But they need you to have the experience was what we what we had. We were beyond livid because from that investigation, that investigation I purposely put in my pocket a cassette recorder that would record and stop 50, at 15 minute um, increments, right? I did not want to lose anything. That's how we, you know, you want to keep the evidence. At least you get the audio version of it. And then you can listen for EVPs and all this other stuff because you don't know what you're getting in the woods besides Bigfoot. There are other things. Get home. I said, you know, get home. Actually, I was looking for it when when the whoops happened. So I kind of like calculated where it was in the file. And like, nope. Freaking record it. Stop recording. <laughs> and I'm like, are you it was it was the perfect freaking storm. And the the evidence was we still have evidence, and I'll tell you where that is. It's on Bronxville Paranormal Society. Al took a set of pictures, I took a set of pictures. And in the pictures, I will tell you this. In one picture, I must have looked at this thing a thousand times. So with Al, 
from from a small screen all the way up to a hundred and five inch TV screen. Okay. And we have orbs in the photos, and they're pretty cool. It's great orbs. We have green green fog, and I mean blue purple fog, uh, fog, and and red fog, and it's it's really intense. Some of them are Al's photos. Some of them are mine. Al did an interview at one point, and, and someone said, uh, you know, he said, "Oh, our stuff's on BronxvilleParanormalSociety.com." Okay, they went to the site. The guy got, sent him these two photos from where we had. The Bigfoot whoop, whoop, whoop area in one photo, if you look at it in the lower, and I, I don't know if I sent you, Shane, it looks like a giant monkey sitting there and hiding in the woods. Looks exactly like Bigfoot. It's got the conical head. It looks like a monkey. In the other photo is what looks like a dog man. Now, if, you, if you're not aware of what the dog man is, it's a bipedal um, werewolf. So if, if you've seen Van Helsing, you know, it's got the the pointy ears, the snout, the whole thing, and it's it's has its snout in the air like it's sniffing us. So we got those photos. After the card got screwed up, Al figured like he thought it was the night where we um, we had to forward the clocks or you know turn back. I don't know, I forgot what it was, but he said, oh, "Let's go." So we walked out of the of that park at about. 12.30-ish in the morning, we walked back to the car, and we were like, oh, that was all right. Nothing really much happened. That's what we were discussing. Like, nothing really happened. We weren't remembering everything. And normally what happens is when we got back to the car, normally we'd say, oh, let's go hit the diner. You'll get some coffee. We'll, we'll chat with, like, what's going on. But we talked about it on the way out, and we kind of determined, like, nothing was happening. So we're not going to bother with it. So Al went back to his place with... Uh, Drove back, uh, built his car. Al went to his spot. Sorry for the uh, ice movement. <laughs> um, and uh, and I went home. I went back to New York City. And when I was driving back, I got to be honest, I was just everywhere. That whole ride, I was just looking around. I just felt like I needed to watch, like something was up, like I'm supposed to see something. So that day that investigation is over and we're going to fast forward to the next day. So I, I wake up and thankfully my wife went, took our kids, picked them up at religious school. So I was, uh, you know, I had time to sleep. So I get up in the morning <laughs> to go to sleep, no shirt on. And I have this terrible taste in my mouth. It's metallic. It's God awful. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? I go in the bathroom and my whole mouth is blue. Like I ate something like a blue raspberry, something blue all over the freaking place. And I'm hocking up this blue phlegm and I'm like, this ain't right. Right. Come out of the bathroom and I call Al up and I said, uh, Hey, uh, how you doing? Anything weird happen? And he's like, well, I, you know, I'm going to do Al now. Well, God, I've got this hard thing in my lip, you know? So he had woke up and he felt this, like his lip was very hard. He said, do me a favor. I told him what happened to me. I said, call Bill, see if anything happened to Bill. So I said, um, I hang up the phone. And actually, my, parent, my my wife was coming in. I hang up the phone, let him call Bill. And as I'm I'm there, my, my kids go, Daddy. They go, what happened to you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Those bruises. I said, what bruises? And on my body was one bruise just below my right breast like circular and 
on my left stomach area, there was another bruise. And it was really weird. It was a weird shape. I did not run into anything. I didn't hit myself with anything. No one hit me with anything. There should be no bruises on my body. So I'm like, oh, crap. This is good. <laughs> this is getting good. Then Al calls me back and says, Bill woke up screaming at the top of his lungs, bloody murder in his mom's house last night. Scared the hell out of them. They're supposed to go back. You know, he almost took him to the hospital. I said, uh, we've been abducted. We, we have missing time. And, you know, so we agreed at that point. Although Mr. Wonderful Santa Riga decided to go against, you know, the cartel. You know, I knew it was you, Fredo. <laughs> broke my heart. Uh, I'm sorry. And uh, we we agreed that if we were going to do anything like get hypnotized, regressed, we'd do it together. You know, and that's what we had agreed. I personally didn't necessarily, I, I didn't, I wanted to, but I didn't want to get regressed. Because, you know, what, what if? There's always the what if thing. I mean, it's cool. Like, oh, we're missing time. What happened there? You know, <laughs> you see, like, you know, aliens doing some weird things or whatever happened. I mean, you never really so know we, how we, long we, they had you, too. Because, I mean, you know, you have, like, the missing time thing. But when it comes to, like, these alien abductions, not all of them seem to be, like, as perfect. Where you have, like, the clothes flip backwards after an abduction. Things like that. So you could have only had, like, a little bit of missing time. But you could have been gone for hours. And they just didn't put you back at the correct time. It was, like, a little bit after. We were gone for two hours. We have two hours of missing time on that, that investigation. Could have been even longer than that, though. <laughs> mm, no, because we did the time checks between. Oh, that's true. Nine fifteen was the first time check, and the next time check, and let me tell you, it only took five minutes to go from where we were to where we were going to be. That's when we did time check again. So, max, it should have been no more than ten minutes between getting to the new location, setting up the chairs, and, and Al going, time check. I'm going to call Cindy. And I going, me, quarter to 12. It's about two hours. It shouldn't have been two hours. It, so that that's where we were. So I actually, you know, I sent the audio, and I, I went through all my audio stuff like that. And I wish you guys could see it, but it's on the bronxillparanormalsociety.com webpage. Al writes up his report, we post it and with pictures. I write up my report and we post it with pictures. So something that's very interesting is I use a couple different products in my investigation to, you know, get information for um, you know, out of photos and I, I look for hidden information in photos, which is really, really cool. And um in one of my photos, I use a sonic visualizer uh spectrogram. Because I recorded some sound and it sounded like it was sounded like there was a message being broadcast. And in so I said, you know what? I'm gonna go take a look at this. I put the audio into my sonic visualizer and I start messing a little bit around with the spectrum to widen it or or, or drag it out a little bit. You can visually see sound waves. Mm. So you know what you're dealing with. One, there's a ton of infrasound that was caught that I didn't hear, but it's caught. And I'm trying to figure, you know, at the time trying to figure out ways of trying to get that translated to something audio audible. Um, but in this visualization program, the cool part is as I get to a point and it starts, 
the sound of vigil it starts playing it it streams across i stopped it immediately the head of it of a freaking gray alien appears in the audio in, like f- waves in the audio yes so and it looked it looked like if you've ever watched the original star trek you know, the original 1960s Star Trek, there's a gray alien in there, or this creature would be gray alien, but tall, gray, straight. I mean, uh, I'm trying to find, I, I tried to find the photo, but it looks like a tall gray versus a, a, a yellow, a small gray, but, and there it is. And I'm like, holy crap. And I took a picture and I sent to Al. He's like, holy crap, where's this from? And I said, this was in our audio. I knew there was a message in there. And I just knew it. I knew there was a message in the damn file. And it's just this this alien that's in there. That's correct. And there's a little bit of other lines that they could be, you know, text because they use symbol symbols more so than a lot of them use symbols when in transmissions or whatever. But this was just insane. You know? Just out of curiosity too, when you were checking the audio for this, that Morse code that you were picking up, did you ever by chance like figure out what like the Morse code was saying? I never got a chance to figure that out. I sent it to my um, one of my friends. I sent it to my uncle, who's super genius, spent his career electro electromagnet electric engineering in the military. I mean, nuclear physicist in the military. He has done things that I'm sure we're using today. <laughs> Thirty <laughs> years ago, about. <laughs> unfortunately, he passed away. But he just didn't want you know. He forgot about it. And then my other friend. He passed away. So I it got to a certain point where I just didn't continue. You know, you, you move on and life takes precedent over certain evidence. Now it would be easier because I have a whole slew of people that I'm friendly with military wise. And, and also there is an audio program that you can use on your phone that will take audio uh, information from, from Morse code and output it on your phone. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean... This is this is how you investigate properly. You know, you have the experience. You assess what went right, what went wrong, and then where you you need to re up the equipment. And that's what I and that's what I did. You know, for the most part. So that was that for this portion of of the um, expedition. And a couple like six months later, when it you know got warmer out, all three of us felt the need we had to go back to the location. Like we're being drawn to it. Al will say, I'm being drawn to it. I'm being drawn to it. You know, my gut telling me your gut's telling you nothing. Um, no, you know, but we were. So we started hiking and it was like June. It was freaking the dog days of summer and it was terrible. And so we start hiking back to the location. We're looking at all these different spots and we get to the spot where we had the whoop, whoop, whoop and the, the bluff charge and the rock. We're looking around like, where could this thing go? And like, you know, it's, a, it's death. If you go to the right from where I was sitting, it, you're, you're not getting through there, especially in the, in the day, especially in pitch black. Right. So we walk past the location that, where we camped at and we start walking towards the swamp. No more than 20 yards from where we were located. On the other side of, behind us, on the other side of us, about 20 yards away, was a swampy area. So Bill's videotaping, and we go and we see this 
we get to one part of it, and we can look through this swampy area, and there's like a, a mound there, like a dirt mound. And we're looking at it, and we look down, and we see like there's a pathway that goes to the dirt mound, and there's a footprint, like weird-shaped footprint. And then Bill's like, I'm going to go in there. I'm like, Bill, don't go in there. You're just going to get stuck. And, of course, he gets stuck, so we pull him out. <laughs> But he videotapes from the whole place, and he videotapes, he zooms in, and he does this video. And we leave there not finding much at all until that night. Bill goes home, and he's watching the video. And, I mean, we were, where that mound was from where we were was probably 50, 50 yards away from us, 50, 75 yards away from where we were standing. So Bill, you know, that's when I said next time I'm going to bring a drone because I could, you know, whatever. I can fly over places and it looked good, you know. So Bill goes home. He's watching this on his big screen TV set. And his mom goes, what's that monkey doing there? <laughs> like, what? She goes, it's the monkey in the, you know, where'd you get the monkey from? In the, mo- in, in the movie. He's like, ma, that, that's, that, there's no monkeys in the Like, yeah, it's right there. And she points out something that looks like a monkey. <laughs> So we zoom in and then we have these these images and, and I have to take it from the video. So I said, Bill, send me the damn video. So he sends me the video and I start zooming into the, the, the swamp area there. We found a den, 100% found a den. And in these images, this is really weird. To the far right is something that looks like a monkey. Like a, it's, it's a weird shape of just the head of a monkey, like, the, like a, a portion of it. On the left side of it, of this this den area, you can see it in the photos and I'll send them to you guys. I'll send them to Shane. Shane sent it to Orange Jenny. Of course. <laughs> um, you can see what looks like a German Shepherd pup with its teeth, like it's, it's ready to attack. And then next to it is another black shepherd that's really not pretty looking. It looks, it looks pretty scary. And then behind it is this grotesque looking I don't know what the hell it is with this big eye and these grotesque, you know, mouth and what looks like an alien. And it's all there. And it's, I mean, it's out of this world. So that was the end of the whole thing. And, And we, after that, we never got back up to that, that spot right there to go into the, the swamp or whatever. Um, but, about a week from tomorrow, <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> we'll be in the same location, and we're gonna do a day night thing, and we're gonna see if lightning strikes twice. I'm crossing my fingers because I'd love to have you back on to talk about it. If you guys see some more weird stuff in that area, to continue yeah. the story. <laughs> well, we can have Al back on with us. You know? Oh yeah, even yeah. better. We'll make it a party because he, he's drawn to it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that. That experience is probably one of my most intense for Bigfoot. Um, and I know you are about bizarre encounters, and that is, it was pretty bizarre pretty encounter. fucking bizarre. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it was like the perfect storm. If you were writing, you know, we, when we were discussing about this and we were being interviewed here and there back in the day when, when this first happened, one of the guys we interviewed, got interviewed by, his name is uh, John, um, John Mallard. And um, actually, it's the Mallard Report. And it's a Tuesday night show. It's a great show, whatever. 
And he never said a word. We were talking about this before. You get these interviews where you don't have to say a damn word and people just start talking and talking and talking and talking. And we were like, well, is there any questions? He goes, nope. Sounds like you just had the perfect storm. <laughs> I said, I, you know, I said, well, you want to go out with that? Nope. Never going to happen <laughs> that way again. No. <laughs> and um, I mean, it's Jim Mallard. Sorry, John. John is another guy that does a podcast at um, Newfoundland. Newfoundland. But... <laughs> It, it, you couldn't write a better script than than what took place there. No. So, Brian, I am kind of curious, and I know that there's no short, concise answer to this, but what are your thoughts on what the kind of connections between, you know, these cryptids, these Bigfoot and Dogmen and the orbs and the UFOs and, uh, you know, you talked about possible abduction. How do you think all this is possibly connected? Um, so <sighs> Bigfoot, Dogman, aliens, extraterrestrials, and other beings. There are other beings. My, my, the connection is that they're all interdimensional beings. They're able to do things interdimensionally. And, and what's very interesting is a lot of people say, well, Bigfoot's alien is, is the pet of an alien. Nope. What Bigfoot is, first of all, there are, are, are extraterrestrials that look like Bigfoot, like like a Wookiee. I was going to say, there's the references that George Lucas actually knows more than he leads off to, and he purposely placed them there for that reason. Yeah. You know, um, and then there are smaller extraterrestrials that look like the Ewoks. It was a bad idea with those Ewoks, but, um, but these beings, I don't believe these, I don't believe Bigfoot is an extraterrestrial. They have been on this earth in this dimension and other interdimensions since the beginning of time. Okay. And the dog man, I believe, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm writing a book relating to, there's going to be some Bigfoot stuff in there. And I'm going to make a comment on dog man. That'll probably get me skewered and killed, but I don't care because it matters not to me. Um, but Dogman also does something exactly innately the same abilities as Bigfoot does. Um, they move like the wind. They disappear. They There's lights associated when they appear and disappear. Um, I think they do the same things. And the reason why I think that they're kind of connected is because I don't know where you are in a big city, but when I used to take this... From my house in in one of the boroughs into Manhattan to go, I would take a train into Grand Central Station. Okay, and this was every morning. God, I hated it. And every <laughs> night at the same time, and it's funny because you would see the same people. Oh, that guy's going to Connecticut. You know that guy's going this. You just you start knowing where people are going. Not like you know them, but you see them in the in the in the in the movement of of you moving about your business. You see them going their business. And every once in a blue moon, you maybe you'll meet somebody or, or you'll know somebody, you know. Oh, they're going out of park, you know, whatever. I think that when these beings, Bigfoot and, and, and Dogman, go extra, it goes interdimensional, the aliens are seeing them. Like, who are these beings? Why are they doing this? What is this? And there are reports, and I've had interviews with people who are multiple experiencers as far as extraterrestrials and aliens are concerned and abductions who have seen these things on the craft lying in a table, not that far from them. 
So aliens are just generalized galactic pricks. They want to work on everybody. They want to know why that's going into dimensional, but humans don't, and that one does, and that's why they're connected to it. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the camp I sit in more often than not, is that they're interested in them the same as we'd be interested in them. They're not like connected right. other than the fact that they're just trying to figure them out just the same as we are. And just to throw in real quick, too, uh, you made reference about the similar things between Dogman and Sasquatch. And we've made reference on the show a few times that we kind of sit in the camp that we believe that it's a possibility that Dogman may not be its own species, but rather like a subspecies of Sasquatch. Well, I'm with you on that. Great minds think alike. Yes. See, the, the, the thing is, when you get into the Dogman end of the world the spectrum... Someone came up, I think it was Vic through Vic Cundiff's show, or somebody came up with the seven variants of Dogman. Mm-hmm. It sounds so like, oh, I'm going to study that in philosophy next year. <laughs> seven variants. Of actually, we actually covered that on an episode not too long ago, too. So our listeners right. should be semi-familiar with that. And I think we've made reference to it a few times since, too. Right. So, so it's, what's interesting is I believe that the creatures we had an encounter with at the lake we were in are... I believe there's a Bigfoot there, but I also believe that there's a Dogman Type 3, which is more like the Bigfoot, the lower, you know, like a deformity. And I believe that some of these species between Dogman and Bigfoot do couple. and They do coupling. It's kind of like the West Side story of the woods. You know? <laughs> a Bigfoot like that would kill your brother, you know, um, whatever. So what's so, the uh, what's the one from Romeo and Juliet, the Montagues and what's the other family? Oh, the Casta Steel, uh, Castiles and Montagues. Yep, that's Capulets. it. Yep. <laughs> well, well, that's where they got West Side Story from. Uh, <laughs> but Shakespeare. I'm going to throw one. It's going to probably join, drive you nuts, Shane. Shakespeare didn't write any of that. Yep. <laughs> I already knew that one. <laughs> that's a whole other can of worms and another rabbit yeah, hole. <laughs> we're not going into that. I don't have that much time. I mean, I have enough time, but like, wow. Uh, there was a sir that did all that stuff. <laughs> It's kind of like having the like the valedictorian school go, dude, I'll take your SATs. And you're like, okay. <laughs> or, I mean, shit, just to throw in another one, Edison was doing the same thing. He was just taking credit for a bunch of people doing stuff for him. Yep. <laughs> Tesla was a real deal, but whatever. We won't go into that. <laughs> that could be its whole show. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've always, because when I was studying it, like, I believe Einstein was on a parallel path that would have worked in the parallel universe, but he was wrong. And Tesla was the one that really, you know, had had everything worked out. And they had to take him out. Yep. <laughs> Is he frozen? He looks like it. I think he That's might. Where I think. Oh, there he goes. He came back. We, we just froze. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> it was pretty great. Your hands were frozen up in the air. <laughs> That's like, um, oh, if I date myself, Naked Gun or a Chips episode. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh so while we got a second i want to throw in a theory to this too with the whole when you were looking into the den and you saw the multiple different beings um well it connects into two things we've been talking on the show that i kind of want to make reference to one i was kind of wondering if obviously there's different layers of reality that are existing all at the same time simultaneously and maybe if you look at the correct angle you're able to see these multiple layers all at the same time. So maybe all of those things may not have fully been aware of each other, but they're all existing in the same place at the same time. And you were looking from the right perspective to be able to see all of them all at once through the different layers of reality. 
And then the other thing I want to throw in, and you were talking about the Grand Central Station, it perfectly connects with this. I've been talking about this for a hot minute now, so I'm sure the listeners have probably uh, heard it a lot. But uh, this whole idea about there being microscopic black holes that are used to travel through reality, and in turn, it's like a networking system that exists between the layers of reality, almost like electrical wiring within a wall. And they can use these to be able to get to different locations. And it's almost like a current or like a river where there's beings that don't have ways to transverse through this stuff. And they kind of just get pushed out to wherever the current happens to go. And then you have other beings like the aliens that have... um, like vessels, of course, that are able to almost be like boats and transverse this water or this current, and then they can pick what locations they want to come out at. And our whole reality is covered in these microscopic wormholes, and people accidentally walk through them. That's where you get these time slip scenarios. That's where you get a bunch of weird stuff happening. And it's just a matter of figuring out how to use them properly, and you can essentially use this networking system that exists in between our reality to be able to transverse and figure out how to get anywhere through these microscopic wormholes. I like the microscopic wormhole theory, but I just think we just have portals that that, that open up and do their thing. Sorry, but see, I think that the wormholes are are natural, where the portals are not. The portals are man-made things, and that's why they seem to have a bunch of weird side effects that come in turn with them. Is because we're almost ripping a hole into this network versus using the natural doorways into this network. I believe portals are natural doorways, and the the way that it becomes a natural doorway is through sound and resonance. So if you're not using the right sound in residence, it's almost like a faulty doorway where you start having the, the outer layers pushed down into it. It's just it's just keyed. It's like calling an elevator or, or car service when you're out in certain spots and the wind comes through. It, it, it chimes up and it, it creates enough resonance to open up the, the change the energy in the area and then open it up. Although the micro you know, the micro, what you were dis- discussing is interesting. I'm, I'm leaning more towards, um, and I like the fact that you could say you could see through multiple windows because in reality, if when you, when you pass away and you get to the, the source, I call it God heaven, you'll know everything that's happening past, present, and future all at once. You'll know everything and it's all happening at past, present, and future. There's no time. I hate when people put time into their stuff. You know, Einstein said it with time and whatever. Time's bullshit. Time has nothing to fucking do with this planet or the galaxy or what we're doing. Time is just a, a, a man-made construct. This is why Einstein's time theories, you know, and all this, the Rosenbridge, it's all bullshit because it's not going to work. It's all just... It's doing it- a magic variable that doesn't... It, it has pays... It, Plays no, it's like it's like making a pizza with dough, you know, flour, yeast, eggs. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, and then putting cheese on it, and then on the top of it, just putting a pound of sugar. That has no bearing on. <laughs> like you don't need sugar, dude. You know, yeah, you're gonna get a pizza. It's gonna taste like crap, but you know, whatever. But it has no bearing on it, and that's why when people uh, we were having a conversation about that before, I, I forgot where it was. Someone was. I was on a show the other night. He was talking about time. He was actually out of the UK. Like he studied, you know, a little bit of physics. And I'm like, time's bullshit. Don't talk to me about time. I mean, just from I, its I, origin, you're it was originally through sundials, and then we found ways to make like different like machines that are able to like catalog it. So again, just from the base of it, it's all been a human construct right from the beginning. Right. And it doesn't exist. You know, those seven days. You know, on the seventh day, you know, how long is a day for God? 
That's each day could be a millennia. But for God, it's like, God, I got to clean my room now. Okay, I'll be back. You know, boom. I'm sending light in. Okay. Take out the garbage, God. <laughs> I'll be all right. I'm coming. <laughs> you know, one of those deals. But that that's my whole point. It's like time. This is why the theory that w- was pushed where if you went to speed of light, this was Einstein's theory that if you travel to the speed of light for 15 minutes, you came back. In the, in, in the same time, whatever, one, you can't come back at the same time, and two, everybody on the planet would be 80 years old. No. <laughs> if past, present, and future exist at the same time, you can come back exactly at the same time you've left. There is nothing in that and you know that will prevent you from doing that. And this is this is all, you know, people don't want to hear from it. It's like, but what about the 80%, you know, stop watching your crap on YouTube, dude. You know, read a book. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you, have you ever kissed a girl? No, I'm joking. <laughs> Remember the Shatner episode when he's chilling? You know, in episode 63, you, have you ever kissed a girl? So it's just like, it's just my thing. I'm not, look, I'm not a, a doctor of, of physics. You know, the problem with science today Known science. I'm not talking about black projects. That's a totally different ballgame. Okay? Because I think we have a slew of people that know you guys are all idiots. <laughs> You're missing it. You know? Science has a narrative just like anything else that's being pushed. I mean, you got to look at it from that perspective. Right. And you see that with all of the recent events that happened the past couple of years, that it's it's all just a narrative being pushed, even through science. Yeah. and and um, And I think when you have somebody like I'm just going to use Bob Lazar for an example. You know, what he was working on, very brilliant guy, but he learned pretty quickly. There, You know, some of what he learned was applied because they're basing it on earth-constructed stuff, but a lot of the stuff he was dealing with, well beyond him. But he loved it because it was, you know, when you're into sciences like that, you're a science geek, people live off it. It's kind of like accountants. You know, like <laughs> counts just love that. It's 36. I'm like, okay, great. What's the tax rate? Do, 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 and then they'll do it in two seconds. Like, yeah, $24. You know, it's like, and they love accounting because one plus one is two. Here's the problem with physics and quantum physics and science one plus one could be 36, one plus one could be red. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One plus one can be negative 34 uh, and two, three carbons. I, I mean, you know, we don't know. I, I, There's so many other beings here, even the lowest end being that may travel here or appear here or beam here is so far superior to us that it's it's beyond belief. We are so arrogant to think we know everything about everything. You know, and it's just, you know, like when I when I heard about all those UFOs being shot down by the government, like, give me a break. I've heard so many black project people say that if you've been able to shoot it, it wasn't actually a UFO because the actual UFOs, you try to shoot these things and it phases right through it because they're existing in a different fashion than what we I mean, there's different theories behind it, of course, but you can't shoot down these UFOs, different time space, different plate. And on top of that. 
even though we got reverse engineered crap, like, you know, they gave us the Yugo of the UFO galaxy, <laughs> you know, which is really cool because it can go a lot Mach 15 or light speed, blah, 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 blah. It's not as good as their equipment. And what you bring conventional weapons, you know what that is? I say it all the time. It's like bringing a 22 caliber gun to a howitzer fight. Who do you think is going to win? <laughs> My money's on the howitzer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless the fix is in. So you're not shooting these things down. And first of all, all those videos, I knew about the TikTok video years, many years before it was public and everybody was ooh and ahhing about it. Um, but besides that, it's like, it's it's just it's just crap. Everybody's just sidelining people with crap. It's meaningless junk, you know? So I like your theory, though. And I like the stuff about... Uh, Bigfoot and the dog man and stuff. I don't, I don't want to meet the dog man again. <laughs> yeah. Last time I met one, he had one follow him to his house. So yeah. Yep. <laughs> we got pictures of that. We're doing a lecture up in uh, Pine Bush, New York. And um, I think it's in July. And we're doing a dog man lecture. Cause we are the, uh, I, I drag Alan to every freaking group. <laughs> I, I create him and like, by the way, we're directors of the New York state dog man project. Like what? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Co-directors and founders. <laughs> you know, I got him into the North American Dogman Project. I just signed up. It's too big a state in New York State, so I was like, I need somebody to work with me. And then you know, we can split the driving. <laughs> and he's like, by the way, you're. Uh, I just call him up. Yeah. Um, two things. Uh, um, you're the co-director of the New York State Dogman Project, New York State chapter. He's like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I put you in, and we may be getting tattoos on Thursday. Okay, gotta go. <laughs> well, uh, Brian, if you don't mind me asking one what? more question, uh, ask Cindy it. and I have kind of been interested in this whole remote viewing thing okay. lately. We've uh, you know listened to a couple podcasts about it. Would you mind sharing just a little background of that, and maybe some of your experiences as far as the remote viewing side of things go? Yeah, sure. Um, I believe, okay, um, oh, it's a long subject, but uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what I'll do, too. I'll, I'll give you an explanation of it, and if you want, the way I like to do it is I like to let you and your listeners take part in the remote viewing exercises. Oh, that would be fun. Oh, yeah, awesome. So the way I do it is I pick three or four objects, and I kind of guide you into, like, a meditative state. We do one at a time and you will have a piece of paper and a pen. And yes, it counts towards the final. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, we'll go through the process of you're going to use your consciousness. This is what remote viewing is. You're using your consciousness and your third eye to connect to the ether up, up above. Okay. The Akash record, whatever you want. And tap into knowing what what's in this envelope or what these coordinates are or what's going on there. And I've been doing something like this for a while. Now, the psychic for our group, Cindy, she said that I was super psychic or whatever it is. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I said, look, I want to explore this, but I don't want to open a Pandora's box. And in her coy archetype, no problem, hon. <laughs> she didn't tell me that it was a freaking pandora's but it was but i still say a remote view she says i'm psychic people i know who are remote viewers say i'm remote viewers i don't care what I, I just do it and what i'm doing is and i can't explain how i came about doing this but this actually i can 
This started because I was bored on the bus ride home from school. And I would sit at the back of the bus and I'd stare at people and say in my mind's eye, turn around, turn around, say hi, turn around. Come on, you know you want to turn around and focus right on them. Come on. You know, and I'm not moving, I'm just staring, you know, sitting there normal. And every once in a a lot of times, like, you've got people that turn around. And a couple of times, you'll get people that are really connected and they'll, like, and they'll turn around real quick and they'll give you a look. So that's how things basically started. And then I started doing things on my own about, you know, I would travel. It, it felt like I was traveling to places or able to go to places in my head. And the way it works is in my mind's eye. So I'm going to give you an example. If I said the number 72 to you guys, can you see it in your mind? Mm-hmm. Okay. If I said stop sign, can you see it in your mind? Mm-hmm. Okay. If I said green parrot, can you see it in your mind? Yeah. Plaid, yellow plaid. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Your address, your house, can you see it? As if you're looking at it from, that's, yep. Okay, that's how it works, and that's basically what it, what happens. But in the case of remote viewing, you're able to manipulate that space and travel to places that you've never been before. And I started doing it when I was working with Cindy. I started doing it a little bit before it, but I really opened up to doing it more there. And I started out, and I still do it, with, with healings, okay? So what, what I would do is, our, actually, Cindy was having an issue. And I said, if it's all right with you, I want to send you a healing. I want to do a healing on you. So I'm going to try to remote mute you and do a healing. I've never met her physically, never seen her picture at the time. I don't know where she lives. I know she lives in Arkansas. I've never been there before. So I'm doing this blind, okay? And I sat in my kitchen in the Bronx, and I kind of closed my eyes and focused. And I don't do any of this, like, you know, holding the hands together. I don't like guided meditation, at all i just start if if worse comes worse i'll use binaural beats to kind of like just get things out so i have like one wave or whatever and i can do it more now without any of that stuff anyhow and i literally saw myself moving i saw a map of the u.s i saw myself rising up from the new york area pulling off the map and then traveling over and then going back down into a certain spot in 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 arkansas and I'm like, holy crap. When I get there, I'm outside the house and I'm seeing, this is all play, taking place, by the way, in my mind, as if I'm having a dream during the day. Okay? That's how it works. And I see the house and I go into the house and I walk up the stairs to the house. I can still see it right now. I'm reliving it. And I go into the, the house in the living room area there and I go over to where she is and she's in her bedroom and I start sending her healing. So I imagine her covered in white golden light throughout the whole body. And then we start working from the top all the way down to heal her. And, you know, I sent her the energy that night. I didn't, you know, didn't go too far into it. So <clears throat> the, um, the next time, you know, the next day or, or two days ago, I felt, she goes, I felt you. I said, you felt me? I said, yes. I said, you know, 
I, I tried to give you a code. Did you get any? No, I didn't. I didn't get any code, but I definitely felt you, and I felt the energy, the warmth, and whatever. I said, "Okay, cool." Let's fast forward a couple of years later. She was, um, she was still having an issue and a problem medically, and she had to watch her her, her grandbaby at her daughter's house. So I, I said, "Well, I'm going to send you healing. I'm going to go there and send you healing tonight." Like, sure. <laughs> so I go there. And when I when I do remote view and, and somebody asks me, and I usually am asked by many people to find something or tell them where a certain object is. Can you heal me with, you know, where is this thing that I lost? And I key in on the object itself. I don't have to have a, uh, I don't have to physically hold anything. I just key into the object uh, just through the connection of the individual looking for it. And I've been able to tell people where things are and where they fall and where they go. Um, because there's a connection, there's energy to it. It's really weird how it, it works, but there's a lot of energy to it. And so <laughs> I go and I, and I, and again, never been to Cindy's daughter's house whatsoever. And when I get to a location, I'm doing remote viewing. It took me a while to figure this out, but wherever the problem is, is where I have to be. It, I get there immediately. So case in point, we'll get back to Cindy in a second. Al's wife, Mr. Wonderful's wife, was having night terrors. She wasn't feeling very well, whatever. I said, you want me to send, you know, let, let me go remote view, see what the hell's going on. He goes, sure. Now, I never been to Al's house at the time at all. I've never seen his house. I've never seen pictures of his house. I don't even know what his wife looked like. So I go there, boom, and I get to this one spot, and that's the spot where I am. And it looks like it's like a little something is open and whatever. And I said, there's something there, something there. And I keep every, you know, I try to walk around the room, but I said, okay, you no, know, just take me to the spot. And I, I get taken to the same spot all the time. So I said to him, I said, you got something in the room over this one spot. You need to do some saging and, and salting or whatever. I'm like, I don't know. You know, she goes, well, where is in the room? I said, you know what? I'll draw it for you. So I draw his room. Okay. So from what my opinion of where this thing is, this alcove and the whole thing, he goes, holy crap. <laughs> You just drew my room. I say, well, is it, you know, am I close? He goes, no, dude, you don't understand. You've never been here before in your life and you drew my house. I say, well, yeah, that's where it's coming from. It's a little drawer over there. Go, go <laughs> fix it. And he went in, he saged it, and he fixed it. And that's how it works. When I went to, and I get caught, by the way, remote views can get caught. Everybody can get caught. You can't do something and not get caught. Not all the time, but some people are just, Either they're young and they're aware of it or young and they, they have abilities or people are purposely on guard in a remote view session. You mean like so. somebody you'll be doing this remote view and somebody will like turn and look at you directly like they actually see you there? 100%. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 had a, we, had a, we had a woman, I think her name was Donna. Not positive. Really attractive lady, by the way. <laughs> so Al met this woman at a physical therapy place. Uh, you know, Al and I talk all the time. We're always meeting these people. Oh, you're into, you're into the paranormal? You know, I just found out one of my youngest daughter's mothers is love, loves Bigfoot. I'm like, had I known, I would have shown you my print over here that I got, <laughs> 17 and a half inches. Um, so this girl's like, oh, I'm, in the, I'm psychic and I'm doing all this stuff. And he said, you know, would you like, you know, you can join a group, whatever. She goes, yeah, I, you know, but what do we do is when someone comes to the group, whether we go on a, on a trip or not or whatever it is, we have to vet them because there's a safety concern. One, for them, they may not be able to handle what's going on. Two, well, it's primarily for us. We've we got to make sure that when we go in the field, no one's going to screw us over. 
you know? So, you know, would have the ability to, um, um, you know, it could be dangerous. We, we need to make sure they're okay. So we have Cindy, our psychic, scan them and read them. So this woman that Al invited in that was Miss Psychic and stuff like that, um, she was blocking the scanner. She was blocking Cindy, and Cindy was like, she's blocking me. She won't let me read her. So I was like, okay. And Al's, you know, Al's dealing with that on his own. I said, fuck this. I Like, we can't do this. I'm going in. I'm going to go. And boom, I go and I start remote viewing and I land. And I'll tell you the exact scene. I come into her room. It's her bedroom. There's a bed in front of me. There's To the left is a one of those tall mirrors that women would have that they dress in front of. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing nothing more than... I'm not kidding. This is not a penthouse forum, by the way. She's not. She's wearing nothing more than um, a lace bod uh, underwear and a bra. It's like she's just got out of the shower. That's what it feels like. And she's getting dressed. And she turns around and she sees me and she's startled. And I said, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to to bug you. I'm Bronxville Paranormal. We, this, we, we, you can't." You can't block our psychics. You, you got to let her scan you. And she's trying to put a wall up and I'm getting rid of the wall. She, it's, it's like a gate. She tries to you do this in your mind. Um, they've done something similar to this on um, a couple of the movies recently where they'll like imagination. They'll, they'll put up a, a, a gate that comes down and someone lifts the gate up and it goes through it and then they'll do something else to try to, you know, block them from moving forward. Sounds like Dr. Strange. I think it's like ready player one or something like that. Or some Dr. Strange type stuff. Yeah. 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 And i tell her like, look, you can't, you can't block anybody. She's, she's like, "Uh, who are you? And I explained to her, I'm like, yeah, I'm the other part of Bronxville paranormal society. You can't do this. We need to make sure it's safe for you. And she's just runs out of the room after that point. Okay. And then never, never calls Al back after that. <laughs> Supposed to have a call and never calls back. Another thing is I was telling you, my, our psychic for our group wasn't feeling well. And I do this all the time. Actually, I've, I've sent healings to Al and I'll, and I'll say, so like after I like heal him, I'll go purple monkey, purple monkey, <laughs> purple monkey. I will put a word in there to see, tell Brian purple monkey, you know, whatever. But he must be too. I've had people come back to me like, I had this dream about a purple monkey. <laughs> so um, I went there. I went to our psychic's house. She was babysitting for for her grandbaby. There was problems in the house because everybody was getting sick in the house. So I said, okay, I want to come do a healing on you, see what the hell's wrong with you. So I go there. And when I land in, in that spot where I become never been in the house, I'm literally at the, the end of this this baby's crib. And her grandbaby is like three years old, two, three years old, whatever. And I'm like, hi. And she sees me. And she's looking at me. And she's looking at me like this. And I move over to, hi, how are you? And she's like, oh, no. I said, don't worry. I'm here to take care of, of Nana. I'm here to take Nana, make her feel better. And she's just looking at me like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> I said, when Nana wakes up, you tell her Brian was here. Brian was here, okay? 
Brian was here. And she just kind of looks at me. And I go and I move past her. And I go. And what I see is I see where she is. And I see it's it's really weird. It's like I see her in the room on, on the left side. And on the right side, there's, they share the common wall. There's another bedroom. And I start seeing what's bothering them in the house. And I finally start seeing that they're at the baseboard in the, in the room to the right. You can see this black stuff creeping in and coming up, and I know it's mold. I see this mold over there. I can see it moving in. Then I go to her room, and I see that the mold's coming in on the other side on the baseboard by the outer wall. And I see her, and then I start scanning her and try to send the healing to her. And I, you know, go through my whole process. And the next day I call her. I said, um, yeah, I did it. I did it last night. She goes, no, I, I felt you. I said, um, can I ask you a question? And she goes, yeah. I said, what's wrong with your neck? I said, you have a thyroid problem, don't you? And she goes, holy shit, I never told anybody that. I said, well, you can see it clear as day. Because when you do a scan of somebody, whenever there's a problem, it becomes black. And her whole neck was black. It was a thyroid problem. Sure. But that, I said, on top of that, though, you have mold in that house. And it's creeping in on the wall. And she's like, no, no, they, they don't have mold. I'm telling them, they they just got an inspecting clean. I'm like, there is mold on that wall, the bedroom that you share with, that shares the same wall with the other bedroom where they are. Yeah. Like there's mold on that wall. Go take a look. It's going to be black mold. And she goes in there and takes a look. She goes, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. So, but the baby caught me. Um, and that's why, like, I don't, people are like, have you ever gone to a U.S. base, remote viewed it? No, I have no desire to. Dude, I'd be scared of what other beings might be there even besides people that would see you so i was using my phone the other day i made made a video shane you probably saw it because i think we're connected mm. and i'm on i'm on the phone and in the car i'm doing this and on my radio it comes up like airplay or whatever like when you're doing something you know so i'm hooking i'm doing a video for facebook oh no having a phone call and I could see the dashboard and it says who I'm calling. And the next thing you know, phone doesn't ring, doesn't vibrate, nothing. Under under the it says C O N F on the screen for a split second and it goes away. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? And so I, I pretty much determined that I'm being tapped or listened in on. So yeah. Wouldn't be shocked. I know Al has some uh, experiences with people watching him too, so I'm sure both of you guys are yeah. getting watched. And I mean, any of Unless us talking about this kind of page. weird stuff. He has an OnlyFans page, Al. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those ones like ours. You got to pay us to keep our clothes on. <laughs> Quarter at a time. <laughs> he slowly peels cannolis off his nipples. <laughs> He's going to still kill me right now. What the hell are you talking about? It's always fun with Brian. It's going to be my new show. Fun with Brian. So, but yeah, I mean, that's what remote viewing is. And I like to do it with, um, it's fun because the, I don't do the traditional remote viewing. I do, you know, the guided whatever and protocols and X, Y, and Z. Um, they do work. I've, I find people that are, it works better if you innately do it. It's, it's, it works great. You know, some people, everybody can do it, but not everybody will do it or can, or can do it. It sounds really weird. Everybody can do it, but not everybody can do it. In other words, 
if you've calcified your pineal gland and you're not into it and you're not focusing on it, you're never going to do it. But you have the potential to do it. But you also have to um, kind of pull a word from the movie Fright Night. You have to believe. And then once you start doing stuff like that, that opens up into other real abilities that we all have again. And it gets on the psychic sign, you know, the Claire stuff and whatever. And Claire audio sucks. <laughs> Claire audio is just, it's just really buggy and it's all works hand in hand. You're, you're tapping into you're you're vibrating a higher frequency. You're tapping into things that other people can't tap into just, just yet. Cause they're just not ready to do it. And you're getting information. Everybody's like, how do you know this stuff? And I'm like, it just appears just like, you know, your name, and you know, your sister's name and your grandfather's name, what their house looked like and what the smell of stuff is. When I remote view, I can see it. I can touch it. I can taste it. I can smell it. I can manipulate it. And I do it all the time, you know, and part of the, one of the abilities I have, which is really weird when we have conversations, if we were hanging out and you told me some whacked out story, anything, actually, I don't personally do it because um, your business is your business, not my business. I'm not a, I don't pry into your, your crap. I don't care what you're doing as long as you're not hurting anybody. But when you start telling stuff, um, a story, there we were, you know, we had like six pigs and an alien head and, you know, and you start going through this stuff. If it's real, I will see it play out in my head. If it's not, I don't see anything but black, which means you're full of shit. So it's almost like a bullshit detector. (laughs) 100%. But I don't, I only do it very, sometimes that they want me to do it. Whoever they is, you know, I just, I have no, it's just starts playing out, but I'm not really paying attention. I'm listening to you. Um, And sometimes I'm curious because I get a bad vibe about somebody or whatever. And I'm looking and I'm peering. And I want to know what my what the game plan is for this point because you never know with some people, mm-hmm. you know? which is really crazy. But that's the truth. But that's a remote viewing in a nutshell. But I think it would be a better episode if you guys all took part in it because one, everybody can take part in it too. You know, you uh, we can we can I can probably get images or some objects, whatever they are. We'll use, we'll put it in, you know, either an envelope or box or, or both. Make it easy. Mm-hmm. Do like three of them. Talk about it a little bit more. And then have your audience take part in it. And then you could say, if you're interested in what the object was, A is down below and B is down below and C is down below. And let's see what your papers look like and have them send in your papers. This is what my paper looked like. Take a snapshot of it, post it. Like, you know, yeah. and tell us what, what you were thinking. And it, it's, definitely- it's fun. Yeah, I'd love to do that. I'd definitely love to have you on yeah. and do that exercise at some point. I mean, like I said, we've been looking into it a little bit and just like listening, researching, and I that sounds like something that would be a lot of fun. We could definitely do it as a live stream, record the video, and post yeah. it up to YouTube too for all the listeners. If uh, that sounds yeah. like something you guys are interested in, speaking to the listeners, of course. <laughs> yes, and and you know it's cool because um, I'm I'm not gonna. Not that I don't want to. It makes it difficult for me to partake in it at because I'm doing something else at the time. Although I do, I can do things multitask. Um, you can ask Al. He was on a Bigfoot expedition with he's got like two guys there and these two women. And I, I remote viewed. I couldn't get to it. And I told him there's going to be a log there right by you. And I sent him like I, I drew it. 
Since you're going to see a blue flame, and then they're right behind the woods. They're just monitoring you guys. And he goes, holy crap, exactly what you said. So they were two guys were like, you know, Al sends me a text message. They want to know what color they're thinking of. And I got pissed. I'm like, I'm not a freaking <laughs> dog and pony show. <laughs> I don't know. What finger on thinking of? <laughs> I, knew, I knew immediately. <clears throat> and I said, well, there's, there's more than one color. <clears throat> they're thinking of a green, but it's more chartreuse green. It, it's it's a it's a weird like chartreuse is like a you know weird lemony whatever, and the ladies over there think of a purple thing with you know a little bit of more blue in the edges, and he wrote back ha 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 like laugh out loud spot on, they're like how the fuck does he do it? And I'm like it's it's just doable. They're trying to be tricky too. That's the even better part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I know how to deal with people that try to be tricky. You know? <laughs> oh, I won't I won't get away with that one, but it's it's just. Sometimes, look, even as, as a person that can do these things, I still have a scientific, you know, kind of scientific background. And like it, for me, it's like this shouldn't be happening, but maybe it should be happening, or I was taught it shouldn't be happening. So I question things a lot, but um, I've learned over the years, I don't question anything anymore, especially if I can save someone's life. And I've done that several times through whatever abilities I have. We'll talk about manipulation, though, that they teach the world teaches you that these abilities don't exist, but yet the government's looking into these abilities. But at the same time, by telling people that these abilities don't exist, they believe that. So they block themselves off from being able to do it. So it's like a mass manipulation thing so that they can do the research, but it's like, okay, the government and everybody wants to pretend like tell like any of these abilities don't exist, but yet they're doing programs like MK ultra, you know, they're like project monarch. Like they're doing all of this stuff. And then they're like, Oh no, that doesn't exist. And then they put out movies like the men who stare at goats and they make it a joke so that people watch that and no like knowing that that was an actual government thing and just be like oh you know that was just that that funny movie that those guys were doing so they end up covering up their research that's through real. a comedy that's a real that's a real move stubble stubblebine is the real deal he's not, not it says something in the beginning too like more more of this movie is true than you would think or something like that too so it's like they could have exactly been putting shit down just so that they could spin the narrative to make it look ridiculous when it was exactly factual <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna paraphrase something that's very interesting which is really interesting so i have a, a really good friend who was in the military did whatever he did now he works government whatever and he told me about this one person that he's he kind of works with <clears throat> and um she was moving to a different base or something. And this was around the time they were doing the, when she first started um, in the military, this was around the time they were, they were still doing the, the, the program, you know, men with goats type of stuff. I'm sure they're still doing it. It's just a different name now. Yeah. <laughs> and she gets to this base and, and this whole section of base that's been um, condemned. Can't go there. It's off limits. Don't go in there. You'll get arrested and whatever. So she's going to the base and she has this desire and she just starts walking into the condemned areas and she's walking through this whole condemned area and she gets this, opens the door of this huge hangar, like huge, like you put air, airplanes in it. She walks in and she stops and then she's walking in. She shouldn't be there. She gets to a desk and there's one of these MPs come out and goes, may I help you, ma'am? What are you doing here? It's off limits. And she says, I don't, I don't exactly know why, but I was told to be here. I, I feel like I needed to be here. 
So he goes, stay right here, man. He walks, you know, he, you know, walks back, disappears. And within like four minutes, this other guy comes in, this general comes out, double blind, <laughs> and goes, you passed the test. You're now with my group. They sent out a, an, a, a, call it a mental SOS to see who would pick up on it. And people that were pick up on it was, t- it was telling them, you need to come to this, you need to come to this, uh, this base, this, this area of the base. And she wow. picked up on it. And that's why, so she was uh, one of those, uh, she was a woman with goats, not a man. <laughs> <laughs> women who stare at goats. Yeah, well, she was a woman who stared at men staring at goats, but she did her own, own work too. <laughs> for the boss. Big guy. And uh, yeah, this happens, you know, once you start doing it, it, it opens and, you know, it just, everybody can do it. You'll just know it. And then you'll start, you'll first start keying in on things that you're really, really good at initially. And then if you keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Sometimes that broadens, you know, like, you know, some people are better with, um, I forgot what it's called, tachometry with a hold something and like, Oh, it was a big fight. I can see that, you know, whatever. Or the hold like the um, you know, murder weapon somebody and they can see who the murderer is and or be the victim or something. You know, it's everything's different. So that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> Half an hour later and quickly can you <laughs> And we'll definitely, like I said, have to dive back into that on another one. Uh we're running at around two fifteen now, so probably uh start wrapping up a little bit and save any other awesome stuff for some future stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably good to wrap up and you know, not that I have to go any, but I do have to go someplace. It's a private. (laughs) 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 Kind of frown at me peeing on the floor again. (laughs) Wait till I'm older. (laughs) Um, wrap it up. Yeah. We're, you know, I'm, I've been doing a lot of work, um, research into, um, sound frequencies and, and um, connecting um, to the universe a little bit better now. Um, a lot of UFO sightings down here. I've had a couple of them recently, really good ones. Had a bad experience one night with something. I think it was an abduction. Um, not too happy about that because it was very much known, you know, when there was pain involved in certain things. Um, have you ever considered actually doing a regression on your past experience and this possible experience? Or you kind of like, don't want to open up that can of worms. Um, so I have a guy named, I have a good friend named Derek Tyler, uh, Taylor, who, um, is multiple abductee. He's he's really great. He wrote a couple of great books. Um, like UFOs, the inconvenient truth. I mean, like I don't get scared too often unless one doctor says it's a girl. (laughs) <laughs> or two, <laughs> you know, um, I read these, th- he told me before we interviewed him, like read these three chapters and the stuff in the, in the three, just the three chapters. And I read the, ro- the rest of the book. That's really unnerving. Um, I saw something recently about frazzle and I'm not going to say in the rest of it, something with frazzle in it. And I'm not saying the rest of Think it. about what a sink does. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that really, really, really pissed me off and upset me. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So. 
say that's another whole can of worms too with uh, interdimensional reptilian beings. Shut down immediately. (laughs) That's where we're going to start having some audio issues. (laughs) Right. I mean, you know, I'm going to be going on a couple of Bigfoot expeditions down here, Florida Skunk Gape. Um, I'm always open for other investigations. I want to try to film some stuff so I can sell a sizzle reel so I can actually get the show so I can get the good equipment. So I can actually, you know, and go and go out on the field, you know, and yeah, we have the campsite and stuff, but we, you know, we have the e-bikes and I don't have to spend $2,000 on an e-bike and I can get a $70,000 drone or I can get, you know, DNA tests for free. You know, they don't cost me $20,000 type of thing. You know, that's what I'm looking for. But um, that's it. It's weird. I think people are going to be blown away. And not not that long into the future about certain things. Just out of curiosity, too, considering you're down in Florida, uh, have you ever considered checking out the area where Al had the skunk ape experience? Oh, I drove through it. It's nothing like it anymore. Oh, it's all. I'm assuming like all city, like buildings and all built it's up all now. City now, it's Ooh. all city. Um, just recently, I had. I sit out in my back porch and I'm well north of where he was. Okay. And it's kind of, it's kind of getting built up, but it's not too, too built up. And two things happened in, in my house. I'm starting to hear something that sounds very reminiscent to the vocalization of a dog man. Okay. Which would be pretty interesting because even though there's a lot of space around it, it's still a little city esque. So that's kind of weird, but they do go into cities. And then on top of that, when I'm down here, like we have two stories, but on the first story is where the master bedroom is. And opposite the master is like this living room area with these three windows. And I've been getting the vibe that I'm waiting for the alien's head to pop up. I know it's going to happen. So I think, yeah, there's some weird stuff down here, but I'm trying to get Al down here. But he won't go any place. You know, you'd have so much fun down here. We go on, you know, there's so much things to do and, and see, but you know, I don't know why he wouldn't come down here. I mean, after his skunk ape experience, man. <laughs> oh, that's a great experience, but you know, that's fantastic. I mean, you, that's something you never forget. You know, that's like, holy crap. It's a great experience because of, of multiple eyewitnesses. Of course, the police aren't going to say a damn word because that's, you know, not acceptable for them career-wise, whatever. Don't say a word. It never happens, whatever. But what a great experience. And you you wish you could have it right now because you're so much more wiser mm-hmm. about what's going on. See, like, you know, damn it, I wish I had my scope. <laughs> Go out and get dad's camera. It's in the garage right next to him. I'm not going there. <laughs> you know? You know, it would be great, but I would I would have loved to seen the point where he got pissed off from getting hit by the car and went boom and Donkey Kong that thing and went back up. That would have been awesome, right? Yeah. And seeing the cops' reactions when they're looking at each other because they're both on yeah. opposite sides of this thing, or in the Incredibles, that was totally wicked. <laughs> <laughs> That's Al as a kid. <laughs> but. You know, and I'd like to go back to my time frame where, like, this thing was literally two, like, two inches from my my feet. You know, and and like, maybe the innocence of a child, like, 
hey, you want to be friends? <laughs> Just these cute woodland creatures. I had that going. I had packages in my hand. And that was my friend's ringer. And I'm, I, I, I'm like on the line. And then it's loud. My ringer is loud. And it's like, Kurt Russell, what's going on in there? Oh, my God. Right? And it's screaming, raping me. And I'm, people looking at me. I'm like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and one of the postal guy goes, that was the best. <laughs> You're the bomb, man. You come back anytime. Like, oh, you like that? Yeah, that was a great episode. But the, it happened around, you know, it was, it was out of control. <laughs> that and the fact that my youngest daughter what she likes to do now is she's 11 and when someone's using text to phone you know like word to text and uh, go get to the store she'll go penis <laughs> so now i have her screaming that and i made that my brother's uh both brothers uh text messages and 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 ringer so That's i'm right. at i'm at like this food store and the next thing you hear is penis and it's loud it's really really loud and I think my wife has given up on me on that one. <laughs> and my kids are just, it's just dead. You know, you're going to get to a point where you're like, honey, let me see your phone. And you're just going to hide it behind a rack at the grocery store. And then uh, wait for people to walk by and then text your phone. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, you knew she knew what she was getting into when, when we were doing the, the baby thing, we we're having babies. So you go to this place, bye bye baby, which is going out of business because they're woke, woke, woke baby. Um, they're just going out of business. And this is when, like, Tickle Me Elmo's were in and all those things. Yeah, my life, you know, like, whatever. And, and Ernie, Bert, Bert and Ernie. And they would, like, ha, 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 And they'd bend over, ha, 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 ha. And I just lined them up. And they started doing things they shouldn't do. And I'm always like, I can't take you anyplace. <laughs> Look how funny it is. If it makes you feel any better, I do the same thing. There was this kid's toy a couple weeks ago at the Gertrude store. It bounces up and down, and you can record sound effects, and it plays it to music. So I was doing like, oh, so it was bouncing up and down going, oh, to music. I love those things. I, <laughs> I did it to time. like 10 of them at once and walked away. My girlfriend's like, no, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> but the, the problem is my youngest is starting to emulate it. <laughs> same with mine. So, so my wife's like, she's doing it now. And I said, well, yeah, because her dad did it. <laughs> I just like to, I'm sorry. I, I, look, I like to have fun. You go out, life's too serious right now. You should have fun. Even on investigations, we have fun. You know, but I saw that one TikTok video where the guy just walked over. I think it was Walmart. He dialed in the PA and farted into it. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Stuff like that is great. You know, I'm the guy setting off all the, you know, they press every button, they all go off. You find and a can of thing of those rubber chickens and you just push your hand down so yeah. 30 of them are doing it at once and walk away. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, this is what Al has to deal with. They do it on investigations. Whether he likes it or not. But I've always been told, like, you know, you're informative and you're really funny and entertaining. I'm like, I'm glad you enjoy it. That's it. Life's, life's you know. You got to have opposite sides of the spectrum. Al's the serious one. You're the funny one. <laughs> yeah, well, no. I'll, I'll, you know, I try to bring out stuff in, in, in Mr. Santariga, Mr. Serious. Yeah, like, why are you so serious, dude? We've, we've had conversations. You're not that fucking serious. Right? <laughs> so, 
Well, we've yeah, definitely I just tried to bring it out and having you on and, tonight. And, Oh, I'm sorry. But no, I was just going to say, we've definitely enjoyed having you on tonight. I feel like we've learned a lot. Uh, I mean, I feel like you've shared some stuff with us that we haven't had a guest that's talked about before. So, I mean, this has been a really good one. And I mean, I appreciate you having me on. I mean, I'm looking forward to hearing more from you, maybe about your investigation. And we definitely want to do the remote viewing thing if you're willing to join us again. I'm willing to do it. Just, just throw me some, you know, like we always do, throw me some dates um, and uh, we'll get it done. Same with Alan. the uh, Al and you together, too, because I got to get both of you guys together. Yeah. Well, should have did this before we went on investigation. <laughs> One of us may be dead. <laughs> well, then we'll have a New lot dealer, to talk people. about on the next episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brian got thrown over a tree by a Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah, just like, you know, so there was Al was broke back mountain with the Sasquatch when all of a sudden, no. <laughs> Um, all I could do was sit and record it. (laughs) (laughs) They even braided the hair on the back of his neck. What hair? They made it work. (laughs) You see the Sasquatch sticking there, eating the stuff out of his ear. (laughs) No, that's why they wouldn't go after Al. They got to have something they can braid the hair. They probably go after you, unfortunately. (laughs) I don't have that much. I have daughters, so I'm balding right here. You just need just enough for them to get get two fingers on it to get a grip. I may have to get that reggae, you know, hat to go into the woods with. Yeah, I'm on. <laughs> they would have loved your hair, Shane. <laughs> it's gone now, my friend. Ain't no Sasquatch sneaking up on me. <laughs> Probably don't know what to do with your neck. It just keeps, keeps bouncing back and forth. If a- one of my buddies that had dreads always said, like, dude, when I change that out, I couldn't keep my, I look like a bobblehead. I couldn't keep my neck straight for a while. <laughs> Thank you again. It's actually very honored to, to meet everybody and to be uh, asked to be on the program. I don't want to take any more time. Well, no, thank you so much. I'm so glad you came on. This has been a blast and I cannot thank wait you. to talk to you guys again and maybe do some remote viewing. So. Oh, definitely. I'm down for that. I think it'd be fun. <laughs> yes, sir. If you guys enjoyed the show, which come on now, you know, you enjoyed the show. Uh, and even if you didn't, you guys can easily take an extra five seconds, if you guys don't mind, of course, to drop a five-star review for us on Spotify. And if you're willing to take an extra 30 seconds past that to type out a review on iTunes, we definitely appreciate it. And we would love to read that stuff out on the show. You guys can also share this episode with a friend if there's anybody that you feel might enjoy this topic. And again, any listeners out there that want to uh, contribute to the show in any way, reach out to us through social media or email at bizarreencounters at outlook.com. Oh, oh yeah, and everything is listed in the what's that thing called tree link tree? The tree of links. Yeah, the tree of links (laughs) in the show description. I've been Shane. I've been Orn, and I've been Jenny. And don't forget to uh, always keep it bizarre. 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 Bizarre.